Hello and thank you for listening to 60MW and the entertainment show for July and August 2022. I'm Dave and joining me in his PJs and I can see him in his PJs right in front of me on my computer screen is Chris. Hello. Hello. You're lucky I'll put them on. I was thinking about taking them off just for you. Hope you're not going to pop out of them at any stage during recording. No, no. You know what? Because of doing uh, running and other things, what I've noticed, and and not just with like shorts and uh, <laughs> with pajamas, is that sometimes I don't know why, but the crotch seems to just kind of like just disintegrate. And <laughs> but I don't know if that's because of the running, or if that's because of my farts. I don't. I don't genuinely don't know. But um, yeah, because it's weird because like holes appear sort of like in that area. I don't, they don't appear anywhere else, so it's got to be something. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the smell of my guffs. It, <laughs> it must be, you know, the, the acidic nature of them or something. So, well, you want to um, get in, you want to get into an age, mate, where gravity is taking effect on your genitalia, and so it's it's dropping that little bit lower, and so it's rubbing a little bit more in the area, hence holes it, appearing. It could be that, I suppose. But um, I mean, I mean, I don't. I, should, I do pay attention to them because you should do as a man. But um, I, I mean, they don't seem like they're sort of hanging low, like low fruit or whatever. <laughs> they're, not that I've noticed anyway. They seem all right at the moment, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you later. Okay then. <laughs> oh, people wishing we were a video show now, right this minute. <laughs> well, they've probably got some horrible pictures in their head right now of my my sack. Sort of like, you know, <laughs> it's not something that anybody wants to see, is it really? <laughs> Mate, can you believe we're recording the July and August show? There's there's only four months left of the year. It's like, what the hell? It's madness. It really is. And and it's because we always talk about letterbox, don't we? About mm, we do. How good, good it is mm. to log movies and everything. Yeah. And um, looking at it, I mean, and you can tell that we've been in the summer holidays, uh, you know, we've had, because the kids are off for seven weeks or whatever it is, six or seven weeks. And so you're out off out doing stuff. My watching for July and August is shocking, really. I mean, <laughs> and I'm looking at July and and two of them were the last double dips. So Bloody hell. I think, I mean, and, and one, one of them was for your eyes only because it was just on. So I was just watching it one Saturday afternoon, I think it was. So, yeah, my my watching, really, you're going to have to sort of pull me through this. Um, pull me off. You've got, you're going to have to pull me through this show because I'm struggling film-wise and uh, for, for things to talk about, really. I've got a couple of things to mm. mention. But, um, yeah, it is crazy how fast this year is going. It's... I think once you get to the point where I think um, Adam mentioned it, when you're sort of like in the, you know, the the months that end in er, uh, it's just ridiculous how fast it goes, isn't yeah. it? And, and I always gauge it, particularly with this time of the year with the kids, because uh, you know we've got we're in September now, and then October you've got Halloween, then you have November, uh, sorry, uh, bonfire night, and then it's kind of you're into the the run up to Christmas, then yeah. aren't you? You know, so. Um, yeah, it's crazy because I know in the podcast WhatsApp group, I mean we're we're recording this on the ninth of September, and I think it was probably like was it two three days ago, I went into a supermarket, and there was mince pies, mince pies like not even a week into September, 
I know it, we we seem to say it every year, don't we? It seems to you know happen sooner. In um, mm. Christmas stuff comes out. So funnily enough, we went to Cadbury World for one of our trips. Uh, you know, one of our days out with the kids, and we've been before, and, and it's it's nice. It's a good day out, and uh, I mean the place just smells of chocolate it's when you when you even mm-hmm. walking up to the building you're just like oh god you just stand here <laughs> yeah it's amazing yeah. and then when you leave it's like oh i don't want any more chocolate but no it's it is very cool and also fun little fact here and you because we've discussed this before um because there's it's like a, a your own guided tour you walk around and you know kind of gives you all of the information about the history of chocolate and then how also cabri started and yeah. And um, you've got a factory in Chirk that processes the... We know, have, the- yeah. Yeah, there's a Cadbury's factory um, here in this little village in North Wales. <laughs> and it's weird because um, it's usually when it's, it's, when it's about to rain, it's something to do with the way, the way the wind blows or whatever. But if we're in the garden and we can smell chocolate, you can almost guarantee it's going to rain in the next few hours. Wow. Which is a bit weird. So you get that, mmm, the air smells of chocolate. Oh fuck! It's pissing down. It's, you know, yeah. it's, you get that yin and yang <laughs> thing going on. So it's it's really good and it's really shit. But it's it's strange because I mean, like you know, I, I must admit I'd never heard of Chirk until I met you, and then um, you know, seeing your village um, at, up on a big screen that's talking about how they process all the chocolate and everything. It's like, oh, it's very cool. Like Dave lived there. It's amazing. <laughs> So in some, some way, you know, your village contributes to this massive global product yes. that people enjoy, which is, which is incredible. So, no, that was good. Um, that was it. I think that was the point I was going to make. Yeah, so we, we we did that. And then, like I said, saw Chirk up on the screen. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's been days out and stuff. But what I do notice is that sort of like September, when the, the darker months and, you know, the when the, the, the weather, sorry, the weather that, you know, the, the night's drawing, yeah. you do tend to stay in more and either yeah. play video games or watch more movies and stuff. So it's, um, yeah, I yep. like this time of year. I must admit it's, I, I, we've had some lovely weather. I, you know, I don't like to complain too much about the weather because we don't have enough warm weather shall we say but um it, I, I like the autumn time and when it starts to mm. change it's nice i used to i found and this is only over the last few years i found that my my favorite uh season now is is spring as i've got older mm. I just, yeah i just really enjoy spring more more than any other season you've got all summer to look forward to spring's really nice like where we live you know lambs start appearing everywhere um yeah, it's, it's just really nice. I th- I think, I think especially as I've got older as well, you know that it's called SAD, isn't it? Is it what is it? Something, oh, what's it? Seasonal for? Affective disorder. disorder. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I suffer from that a little bit because when, like, you know, when you get up for work, you know, until not too long ago, you get up for work and it'd be jump in the shower and, you know, I normally get up about quarter to six. Bright and sunny outside, don't need the lights on. And already, I think I saw today on, on the weather and like sunrise was quarter to seven, sunset was something ridiculous, like quarter to eight. And it's like, oh, the, <laughs> the darkness is appearing. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, like you said, it's good, you know, it's good for movie watching and, you know, you tend to do watch more films, stay in more, you know, play more video games, all that kind of stuff. So that's all right because um, of temptation to go out isn't there because it's fucking pitch black but mm. yeah it'll, it'll yeah. soon come around again goes all too quick mate 
Oh, I know. But yeah, so it is uh, this year is a um, it's it is going fast. It, well, we say it all the time it goes faster as you get older, doesn't it? Mm. You know? <clears throat> and we're slowly so. becoming well, you're slowly becoming. I'm already there. Old farts. So <laughs> I know, well, I feel like it at the minute. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we got we got we got time for two more shows, two more entertainment shows before the year's out. So um Hopefully we've still got lots of good stuff to, to watch and recommend. Absolutely, mm. yeah. I'm going to start this episode off, mate, with uh, with a thank you. And I'm going to thank Jeffers from Podcasto Cat Flappo, a podcast I've recommended many times on this show because it's fucking awesome. Um, if, if for any reason you might be a new listener uh, and you've not heard me recommend them, if for some strange reason you've never heard of the fucking brilliant TV series... Um, Filthy Rich and Catflap. First of all, watch the series, then subscribe to Podcasto Catflapo Jeffers, all the way from Australia. And I'm looking at it now. This is this is why I want to mention it. He um, he sent me a postcard, which has got it's it's a pair of knickers, which says on it, "Oh, uh, sounds a bit rude." Which, if you've watched Filthy Rich and Catflap, you will know the reference. If you haven't, you'll have no idea, and that's why you need to go and watch it. So I put it right in front of me, you know, here in the recording room of 60 MW Towers, because every time I sit here, it makes me smile. So, Mm. yeah, thank you, Jeffers, for that, because, yeah, it it really does raise a smile (laughs) from me every time I sit here. And, um, yeah, go go and listen to that, because it's a great show. But I have got got an actual podcast recommendation as well, and you're going to fucking love this, mate, and hopefully Mm. everybody listening to this show will, because... I presume you're listening to it and, you know, you like movies. Uh, It's called the Video Archives Podcast and it's hosted by somebody who you might have heard of, um, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, Roger Avery, a friend of Quentin's for many, many years and who also co-wrote Pulp Fiction. Uh, And Roger Avery's daughter appears on it as well, Gala. It is fucking brilliant, mate. I absolutely love it. It's quite a new podcast. And he says, pressing podcast addict on his phone to bring up the details of it. Um, yeah, so so it's Quentin and Roger. Right, so it's called, it's called the Video Archives podcast because both of them used to work at a video store in the 80s called Video Archives. And then when it closed, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino... Bought the entire stock of videos from it. He also bought the entire stock of videos from another VHS store as well. He's got them where he lives. He's got like this huge place with proper um, VHS shelving. All the VHS is there. So him and Roger, in each episode, they pick two, sometimes three movies, and they watch them. They watch the VHS Oh, oh they, they tell you about the cover. They read the back notes of them. They tell you about the film. Um, Gala, Roger's daughter, jumps in, tells you, you know, how much is the, when they bought it, when they worked at the video archives um, VHS store, how much, because she buys them now, how much she's paid for it now, where you can buy it from. Oh, it's just incredible. Because I'm sure everybody listening to this knows how enthusiastic, how knowledgeable. Quentin Tarantino is about movies. Well, Roger Avery is just the same, and Roger's daughter Gala is just the same as well. So when they talk about a movie, you cannot help but be just drawn into it. 
you know, their enthusiasm and, and their knowledge is just fucking fascinating. Even, you know, sometimes when you get a show, and I'm sure what happens to, you know, shows that we've done across the many format shows that we do, people go, oh, I've not heard of that, that person who Dave's interviewing, or I've not heard of that film that Dave and Chris are talking about, or, you know, Chris and Adam are talking about in that Spotlight show, and they maybe pass it over. Don't. This is a prime example of, di- of of don't because it can be fascinating. So I'll just give you some of the films that they've talked about. Like I said, it started um, three months ago. So they've talked about Dark Star was the first film that they talked, which I love. But on that show as well, they talked about a film called Cocaine Cowboys. I've got no idea what that is. I've never seen it, but I want to watch it now after what they were saying about it. Uh, they've talked about Moonraker, Firefox, Delirium. The Keep, The Relic, Cafe Express, The Illustrated Man, uh, Dirty Hands, Demonoid. It's it's really, really good. If you have got any interest in movies whatsoever, you need to subscribe to the Video Archives podcast. It is, it's, enter- it's the usual things that I say. It's entertaining. It's informative. It's funny. Uh, it's explicit, so they swear. Uh, it's It's just really fucking good. So, yeah, give them a sub um, and leave them a review. I've already left them a review on um, on Podcast Addict. It's it's awesome. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's, it's very, very good. Entertaining whether you know the movie or not. That sounds great. I'm going to subscribe to that because, I mean, like, you know, hearing Quentin Tarantino talk about Moonraker. Because, <laughs> but funnily enough, you know, I was saying, oh, you know, For Your Eyes Only was... Um, one of the films I watched in July. Yeah. Well, yeah. Moon Moonraker was Didn't, one of the was films it, I watched. Was it ITV that like showed a shit ton of James yeah. Bond films, wasn't it, during one period? Yeah. So looking at again, going back to sort of July, I watched uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, and Fury Eyes Only because they were showing them in in order. Mm. Um, and so and you know, I mean, and those films, you know, I've seen them so many times, but you can just put them on in the background. It's like comfort food, isn't it? You know, you just enjoy them. You don't have to pay too much attention, mm. but they're just fun. So to hear Quentin Tarantino talk about Moonraker, that, got, that sounds really good. Firefox, <laughs> is that the, uh, the Clint Eastwood Clint Eastwood movie? one, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's, um, that's a weird one, isn't it? Because I used to, I watched that when I was a kid and, um, I, I, I well, I think I enjoyed the flying sequences more. I know I think I may have said this before that when I was a kid, we we'd always pretend like you know we had someone, somebody had Airwolf, somebody had Blue Thunder, <laughs> and somebody had Firefox, and so like we'd be you know fl- running around the fields pretending we're in these these crafts, you know, and whatever. So that sounds really good. Um, it's funnily enough, an, an interesting coincidence was well, not that interesting, but coincident coincidentally, um, I'm listening to a book uh, by Nick Frost, um, okay. Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. You know, people would know uh, from Space, and then obviously, you know, Shaun of the Dead and uh, and all those movies. Working with Edgar Wright because and he talks about um, Edgar Wright and uh, Quentin Tarantino when they were doing the Shaun of the Dead promo stuff in, in oh, America because. Okay. Tarantino is a big fan of um, of Shaun of the Dead, yeah, and um, and so there's some interesting, funny stories in there about you know how they went to this um, strip joint, which <laughs> Tarantino took them to, but how Edgar Wright and Tarantino just clicked because and they just like proper proper geeky cinephiles, you mm. know, just and, and like he um, 
uh, Nick Frost says, you know, he loves cinema and he's got a bit of knowledge, but they are just ridiculous with the yeah. amount of knowledge that they've got when they were talking. It's like he didn't know what they were talking about a lot of the time. <laughs> so, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, Ro- but it is. It's one of the great things about this because because Quentin and Roger have been friends for so long now, you know, and, and it's not just the case they're working partners. They're genuine friends from when they worked in the video store the rapport they've got between them and they can just they can take the piss out of each other and say what they want to each other while also being really fucking knowledgeable about film just makes for such a great listen you know i've loved listening to every single episode you know just you know moonraker and firefox and films like that that i'm familiar with oh god yeah but then the other films that i've never heard of in some cases have been just as entertaining and if then oh, I'll put that on my watch list. I want to watch that now and uh, and see what it's like. So, yeah, again, anybody that listens to this, um, because we're, you know, primarily a movie-based um, show for recommendations, et cetera, get onto this and, and you will start filling up your watch list and be entertained at the same time. Hmm. So Roger Ivory directed a couple of films like hmm. Killing Zoe in the 90s because yeah. that came about after a lot of the you know Tarantino stuff wasn't it it was like Reservoir Dogs here yeah. and then there was a lot of a spate of kind of those not don't want to call them knockoff movies because that sounds a bit you know disrespectful but you know what was it there was um things to do in Denver Denver when you're dead when you is it when you're yeah, dead or before yeah, you're dead and, or? and then stuff like there was there was low, quite a few of them wasn't there that kind of I suppose trying to be hip like um um, pulp fiction type, yeah. type things and then he did one in 2002 which i really enjoyed but i haven't seen it for absolutely years the rules of attraction which is a Brett oh, Easton, yeah. uh, ellis um he wrote that so i'd like to rewatch that actually because i remember watching at the time and thinking it was really really good but i haven't seen it for a long time so that'd be interesting to go back and watch that. Oh, cool. Well, I am going to subscribe to that yeah pl- yeah please do I'm, sh- I'm sure you will enjoy it because as well like you just said, you know, Rogers directed films as well. And they also, as well as talking about the films that they've chosen and they've, and they've watched on VHS, for God's sake, oh, that's, that's uh, they crazy. also bring in their experiences of films they've worked on as well. So you get some good inside gossip about stuff, you know, and they're not afraid to rip people to pieces or tell some stories. You know, I've, I'm good fucking hell. I never knew that. So it's, yeah, it's really, really good. Excellent. Yeah. Leave them a review. Tell tell them that we recommended you. <laughs> um, be, yeah, it's 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 good. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly move on to before I pass it over to you, mate. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to TV, and I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit something that I mentioned it on the last show. I can't remember if I mentioned it on the one before, and it's Malcolm in the Middle. We're still going through Malcolm in the Middle, and I think we're on series five now. Um, and, uh, you know, for any new listeners, me and Chris, we always love like our 20 odd minute programs that we can jump into and watch and go all the way through. And we've talked about many over the years that we've been doing this show. Oh, mate, there was an episode. There was an episode the other week. I cannot remember. And this includes films. I cannot remember the last time I laughed so much. It was absolutely fucking comedy gold. <laughs> and we're at the stage now with Tina because she's watched them before and I haven't she hasn't watched these or she hasn't watched them all. You know, she watched the, the first few series and now we're at the point where the majority she's never seen. Oh my God. It was hilarious. So yeah, again, if you haven't watched Malcolm in the middle or it's been a long time since, since you've watched it, 
please go and rewatch it because we're having an absolute whale of a time watching these. Also, and you must have heard of this, mate. Welcome to Wrexham. Oh yeah, that's the um, Disney Plus. Um, yeah. With- yeah, with uh, Ro- with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, who who, yes. who the other year bought Wrexham FC, the football team. Uh, now, as I sit here in sixty MW towers, we are nine nine point six miles south of Wrexham. So we're about well, we are about nine and a half miles south of Wrexham Football Club, and um, I mean we pass it all the time. It's the main place that we go to for shopping, etc. They have transformed the community here it's incredible over um was it the last 18 months two years since they bought the club it's it it really is incredible and they've come to wrexham so many times and the way that they've integrated themselves into the community and met people uh gone into the turf pub which is next to um next to the ground the race course ground uh oh yeah i mean i, I know there was a little bit of Ooh, it's two people, you know, two, well, definitely one Hollywood star with Ryan Reynolds and as Rob McElhinney describes himself, you know, he's just a TV star. Uh, you know, what reasons are they doing this, etc. But they fair play to them. They've really thrown themselves into it. And watching this Welcome to Wrexham, as well as, you know, sort of the, ooh, yeah, you know, we go there all the bloody time. Uh, and talking to people in the community, people that we know in Wrexham, uh, people, listeners, if you've watched it already or when you're going to watch it, you'll see a place called um, Mad for Movies in one of the markets in Wrexham, uh, run by Rob. Now, me and Tina have known Rob for years, and it's uh, he always keeps anything sliced alone related, he keeps for me. It's thanks to him that behind me, I've got the Betamax version of First Blood. have you got a betamax video no i can't play it i just look at it and go oh that's pretty cool but he knows anything stallone related he keeps for me and has done for years and years and years and he's such a nice guy and he's such a huge wrexham fan and i retweeted recently um i mean this says something about ryan reynolds as well that um he he met Rob. He's met Rob a, a good few times, and he's visited Mad for Movies in Wrexham Market, you know, more than once, uh, and talked to him. And you know, it's in the documentary. Uh, he he got in touch with Rob, um, you know, purely out of the blue, and he said he'd got like a shit ton of DVDs and Blu-rays of you know Ryan Reynolds' films. All the, you know, everybody knows Ryan Reynolds' films that he's been in. So he signed them. He signed them all. He shipped them over to Rob, and Rob is auctioning them for charity. So I, I retweeted, you know, what Rob had done. And, um, you know, that that's just a little insight of how, you know, they could have bought the club and gone, yeah, we'll buy the club and we'll, we'll try and make money and we'll do this, that and the other. And it could, it could be a bit of a vanity project and blah, 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 blah. But it's not. You know, they're, they're going above and beyond anything they have to do. And this uh, this TV show not only shows what they're doing and their passion and and their love, which they've got now of Rex. Holy shit! I mean, as we as we record today, me and Tina sat and watched the latest Stephen Colbert show that Rob um, that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney were on, and they were on it for twenty minutes, and all they talked about was Wrexham. and that oh, was it awesome. for twenty yeah. minutes. You know, it's getting massive exposure. There's people worldwide. They're saying that you know Wrexham has got 
quite literally millions more supporters now, thanks to this show and thanks to these guys buying the club. And it's really injected um, just, you know, just a, a sense of positivity into Wrexham. So, uh, you know, obviously it means a lot because we're nine miles south of there and we go into there all the bloody time. But even if you're not, you watch it. And I think if you live somewhere that's, you know, a bit, uh, you know, it's 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 past its best and it's got potential, but people give up on it. You know, it's not London and whatever. Um, you find something to connect with. So, uh, yeah, welcome to Wrexham. Well worth it. And again, you know, we've talked about it before. I've, I've got no interest really in football. I'm not I'm not a football fan, but this, this is fucking awesome. So, um, yeah, it's well worth watching. It's like, Tina said it, it's like a real-life Ted Lasso. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds cool. Mm. I must admit, I'm getting to a point where, I mean, I, you know, I watch football. But I think with all of the, you know, the the stuff, the, the money sloshing around in it, and it's just becoming so predictable, particularly, I suppose, at the top end of the leagues, you know, you, you, you know, it's contested between usually, well, one or two teams and, and it's just become really dull and boring. And there's, there's a lot of uh, questionable ownership. I mean, particularly with the, some of the Saudi owners that uh, started to come into the, the Premier League now, mm. taking over Newcastle and and everything. And then the World Cup in Qatar and, and, and yeah. it just, I'm just really starting to get to a point where I'm almost, almost losing interest in it. You know, I, I don't, I used to watch Match of the Day all the time and, you know, I just can't, I can't be arsed with it anymore. It's just, so to, to hear this, it's just it's really nice and and heartwarming and to know that that stuff like that does actually kind of still go on because yeah, the yeah. thing is with with clubs as well and you get a lot of these owners that will come in and they they don't it's a business to them they don't really give a shit about the that you know the history or the the people that run it or manage it and have, what have come before mm. them and so to hear stuff like that is really nice and heartwarming. I'm just looking now, and, and, and like you said, that mad for movies, and it just types into Google, and and it's very cool. It's awesome. I will have to check that out because, you know, um, other thing is with Ryan Reynolds, he he's obviously a movie star, but he doesn't yeah. necessarily come across as a movie star. Like he's very hmm. self-deprecating, isn't Definitely, he? Definitely, yeah. Which is good. Um, so yeah, and you mentioned going back to Malcolm in the Middle, so based on the back of you talking about it and also listening to Brian Cranston's book, which is called he's, a, he's amazing. Isn't he? He really a life amazing. in parts. Yeah. It's so I've listened to that book. It's about eight and a half hours long and it's him reading it. And it's, it's really good. I mean, the thing is he talks a lot about his, his early life and whatever, and, and he's had an interesting life, you know, before he got into acting. Um, I think he was, he was actually an ordained minister, you know, he could, he, wow. he, he, he could marry people, you know, <laughs> and he did that for job, for a job. He's done all sorts of jobs. And then obviously he started getting into acting and um, he's one of his big breaks was Malcolm in the middle. So mm. he obviously talks a lot about that and how he absolutely, and you'll be pleased to know this, like he absolutely loved doing that show and he did feel like you know um the, the people in it and particularly the, the kids were his children mm. you know that's you know it was seven years or so that he did that show for and um like because if you 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 look at him in breaking bad which i am actually going back to i'm re-watching mm. that um so i'm on series three or season three of that and it's breaking bad is one of those shows which i know i think you checked out of that didn't you and a team uh, yeah it. I've, I've not even started it it's one of those oh, okay that's 
because again, regular listeners, I'm I'm not Mr. TV whatsoever. If it doesn't appeal to me, you, you know, you could say you're reg- probably, you know, if I did watch it, I'd really love it. But in the back of my mind, every episode I watched, I'd be going, I could have watched a movie almost because you know, yeah. I'm always Mr. Movie since I was a kid. So that that's that's my thing with TV shows. Yeah. So so with um, Malcolm in the Middle. And he was talking about this, you know, obviously coming off that and then, go, you know, doing break, Breaking Bad a few years later. I mean, there was that question of it, you know, it, yeah, because he's known for for Hal, isn't he? You know, and, and yeah, yeah, this yeah. kind of goofy character. Yeah. But he, he is so funny in that. He's so good. I mean, it just it just goes to show his, his skills as an actor. Because oh, when you, yeah. you, go, you go back and you rewatch Breaking Bad, as I am now, and the thing is, when I, I watch things the first time round, you know, you, you do get immersed in it, but I think the mm. second time around, because you know what's coming, you pay a bit more attention to it mm. because you can you can sort of examine it and and take it in a bit more. And he he's acting in that, and particularly when he talks about some of the scenes in it and some of the you know the process and what you know coming into it and how he got the part and all that sort of stuff. This is what I was saying earlier on to you. I think it was just before we started recording you can appreciate things a bit more because you mm. know what went into it and you know how much he, I know this sounds really wanky, but how much he gave himself, you know, how much yeah. he, he became that character. And the, the interesting thing about that is, is that um, uh, Vince Gilligan, who um, he, who obviously created Breaking Bad, he was involved with the X-Files. And so he, um, uh, I was going to call him Walter White then, Brian Cranston, he <laughs> did an episode of, the X-Files uh, many years ago. And that was what helped him to get the part of from Breaking Bad, um, which, you know, he was involved with yeah. with uh, Vince Gilligan. And it's just those sort of little, little twists of fate, isn't it, that you think, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. if he hadn't have done that, then he may not have got this part, which realistically, I mean, really, you couldn't see anybody else doing it. I mean, he's just absolutely superb. He really is. And again, not sort of knowing a bit more about some of the scenes and what he was thinking at the time whilst he was making or filming the scene, it just, it brings it more to life. But mm. yeah, it is, it is a great, great show. I mean, like I said, I'm, I think it really starts to pick up steam in series four, three and four. I think because uh, I think it's five se- seasons, if I remember rightly. So, but yeah, so se- seasons three and four were just like grip. You know, you, you said it before. You're watching something and you you don't realize you're doing it, but you're gripping the armchair. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's so tense and it's there's the, a lot going on. But on the so as well because I started watching Better Call Saul, but I gave up after a few episodes of watching that. But I'm what my plan is is to watch Breaking Bad. And then to go and watch Bre- uh, Better Call Saul because that's just come to an end as well. Yeah. Um, so, but because Bob Odenkirk as well, who I've got a bit more of an appreciation for after watching or sort of re- going back to, to Breaking Bad, but also for watching uh, Nobody, which is fucking awesome. Oh my God, it's <laughs> such a great film. I mean, not again, not a film that you would associate. Uh, when I was first I ever heard of Bob Odenkirk was for a Breaking Bad, you know, and he plays a, a, a sleazy lawyer with a comb over and then <laughs> see him kicking ass in nowhere. Uh, sorry, nobody. He's absolutely yeah. great in that. So he had a uh, heart, was it a heart attack he had recently? I think it was, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's great. He's he's one of those because he sort of like shows up on the cast list as a guest star, you know, for the first, you know, when he, he gets introduced in uh, season two. 
but he's one of those characters that you just want more of, mm. which obviously I was, I'd imagine is where Better Call Saul came into it, you know, um, because he's he's just one of those great characters in it. And he brings a bit of levity to it as well, because, you know, it's quite a tense show and it's about mm. a show, you know, a person who has got um, ter- terminal cancer, you know, and, and he's doing not good things. And, and that's the thing about it. And this is what he was talking about is that, you know, with a lot of TV characters, even some of the great ones, they don't really change a lot. Whereas like his character, you know, he's fundamentally a good person in season one to where he ends up in season five is he, he has a massive change, you know, throughout the whole, and you could see that it's really good. I mean, it's yeah. So I'm not going to say anymore because obviously if you haven't watched it, but it it is a a cracking show. It's one of those that I've kind of put it up there along amongst some of the best TV shows that I've ever watched, like such as the wire, you know, that I, but they are like, 60 hour movies you know kind of thing yeah that's the thing isn't it you have to yeah. have that commitment you have to commit to yeah. them um so yeah but yeah so i'd also recommend his book it's very good it's very entertaining so what's what's his book called um a life in parts a life uh, in parts okay yeah it's uh it's the audio book i listen to i don't yeah. read books anymore i'm i just don't find i have the time to do it or the the, uh, the patients or the the um, attention if I'm honest with you I, lo- I used to love reading when I was younger but I think now it tends to be audio audiobooks but also I, I think there's a lot to be said about audiobooks because you can put them on whilst you're doing other things exactly. and what usually because I'm in the car a lot of the time and I listen to them or I'm running or something yeah. like that so uh, you know it's it's one of those that you can just get drawn into them and yeah. also particularly if it's the person themselves Ex- who's telling the exactly. story exactly that's what I was just going to ask because I think I mentioned it on the last show I'm not sure I got a three-month Audible trial. So the first one that I downloaded was John Cleese's autobiography, which I think I've got like about an hour and a half left, which which has been so good. Uh, Then uh, I've also got uh, Billy Connolly's was the next one that I got. And then I got Michael Palin, The Python Years. And then I cancelled it because, you know, three months was up. And then they said, oh, do you want to renew or do you want to... Do you want another free book? And like, who's going to say no to another free book? So I was saying, yeah, okay, give me another free book. So then I got another uh, Michael Palin one, which I think covers the 90s, and it's like 30 hours long, um, and I've cancelled it. So I've got a lot of audio books queued up, but each of those are read by the person, which I think adds so much to it. I mean, this John Cleese one again, him reading it and him just cracking up laughing telling stories about himself just adds so much to the story. So yeah, it's, it's well worth it. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Um, right. I've done, done TV. I'm on to, I have got documentaries. Oh, <gasps> you've not, you've been a bit slack with the old documentaries. No, I'm you? back. I am back with the proverbial bang because I've got four documentaries that I want to uh, chat about, mate. I think the first one, I'm not sure. I did do a search using the search function on our website, uh, but I couldn't find anything on there. So maybe I haven't mentioned it before, but this this was a rewatch. It came out in 2011, and it's a documentary called Knuckle. And this was filmed, right? This was filmed over 12 years, and it follows um, Irish traveller families, uh, in Ireland, surprisingly enough. And uh, they, uh, oh my God, 
they've got they've got beef between them. There's two main families, but there's also a third family. And this history within the families, hence why they quite often have these bare knuckle fights between each other. And you see the bare knuckle fights, which is like, Jesus Christ. Um I wouldn't want to do that. It's 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 quite fascinating. I think, I mean, we had to at some point, so I'm sure listeners across the world, wherever you're from, at some point, you could want to put the subtitles on to get everything that they're saying because the Irish accent is pretty thick at times and they talk really quickly. But shit, it's 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 violent. Um, it's quite sad, really, when you think a lot of a lot of the times the reason that they're fighting, you know, this this new generation of these families that are coming through, and they and they've got beef with other families and they're fighting them, bloody fights. You know, it's like, geez, when you people walk away from them and their face is like just pulped up. And a lot of the times they don't know why, apart from history and there's things that went on in the past. Some things get resolved at the end of it, but you think this is something that could just go on forever. Now, they are making a lot of money from it. There's like, I think in one fight, there's 20,000 wagered on it. And, the you know, whoever wins walks away with that and the prestige of being, you know the hardest fucking Irish traveller that there is out there and nobody messes with you, I guess. Uh, But yeah, I I just found it one of those, you know, it's one of those slice of life films and you're looking into a different lifestyle that, um, you know, is quite foreign to to me and you. And you go, oh my God, this this is how people live and and they're fine with it. And it's really well made. And um, the guy that made it, he wasn't expecting to be spending 12 years making this. It's just, you know, by fluke that he ended up following them over this period of time and it stuck with him. So you see you, you see one early fight with this one guy. You know, he's really, I think he's like late teens when it, he does his first fights, of course. But the next fight, I think he's like early 30s. So you see his life story and you think, oh my God, he's still fighting. <laughs> he's still fighting. <laughs> And why are they doing this? But it is, it is, I found it quite fascinating in a weird sort of way. Not for everybody. Um, but yeah, if, if you get the chance, Knuckles pretty good. Uh, also, there's, there's a series of documentaries in America called 30 for 30, which are sports documentaries. And there's one, um, there's one from 2017 called Tommy and it's about the boxer Tommy Morrison, who a lot of listeners, and you, Chris, will probably know best from Rocky Five. Rocky Five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I knew he'd gone through some shit in his life. You know, I knew, you know, I knew obviously he was a boxer, and then Sly got him, and he was in Rocky Five, and I knew things didn't really go too well for him after that. Oh, my God, watching this documentary, it's now at an hour and 17, so it's not too long. Oh, this is somebody who who threw their life away. You know, you got you got such a chance to do stuff, but the you know the spotlight of fame and fortune lured him into the dark places of life, and yeah, he went into it big time and died at a very young age, earlier than he should have been. He he could have had a better career than he could have done, not just in the boxing ring, um, but acting. I found it quite fascinating. Again. Being a big Stallone fan and, you know, while Rocky Five isn't the best Rocky movie or movie, full stop, uh, to find 
stuff about Tommy Morrison that I never knew. And I've said this plenty of times, I think, about documentaries. When you're watching it and you go in, ooh, I never knew that. You know, th- mm. to me, that's a sign of a good documentary. And this this one, you know, had it in spades. I think it's it's really good. You don't need to have any interest in boxing. It's you know, if you've got any interest in life and what you should do and what you shouldn't do with your life and lessons to be learned, it's worth watching. Um, and quite sad, to be honest. Because mm. uh, I, I I watch boxing um when it's on some you know the bigger events usually but uh, i listen to a boxing podcast as well um mm. by it's from bbc it's got steve bunce who's a massive massive uh boxing fan he's he's i listened to his audio book i think it was i'll have to find out what it's called but he i think his audio book was like 18 hours long it's like history of british boxing or something wow. like that which you know was, was really interesting mm. um but you know i think uh, he was just a really talented boxer. You know, he's like the world, he had the world at his feet, didn't he? And, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? When, you know, you, you get noticed and then you get fame and fortune mm. and you get an entourage and you get your hangers on and you get all the other things that come with it and all the trappings. Um, it's amazing. It's funny, isn't it? How boxing sort of like does that to some mm. characters. Obviously you got to look at Tyson, haven't you? And, yeah. and other people that are involved with boxing. But um, yeah, looking at this, there's tons of, of documentaries that they have done, at least this 30 for 30. There, there's like, I've watched a lot. There's a lot. The reason I've watched a lot is because there's a lot of American football ones, but they're, they're really well done and they're very interesting. And um, this one about Tommy Morrison especially sort of appealed to me and I think would have sort of broad appeal for, you know, people that listen to us. Um, like I said, whether they're into um, boxing or not, you know, you come into this as, you know, you listen to, to us because you like movies, Rocky Five, Tommy Morrison, Tommy Gunn, as he is in that movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, you know, the main thing for me is is that, fuck me, I never knew that appeal. <laughs> and it was just, oh, but it is, it's so sad. It is so sad. It really is. What are they, what's that available on? Where did you watch that? Um, I think if I remember rightly, I think a lot of the 30 for 30 documentaries are on Disney Plus. Oh, brilliant. Okay. I'm pretty sure they're on there. There's a whole section of them. It's crazy, isn't it? Some stuff on Disney Plus. Yeah, you great, wouldn't yeah. expect it, things like that <laughs> to be on there. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think I'm 80% sure that it's on there. Okay. Uh, another documentary that is, again, it's so sad. I mean, you you must have watched the movie Flight of the Navigator. Oh God! Years ago, yeah, I can't remember all about it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a cracking film, it's a cracking eighties film, uh, and the star of that, he was, you know, he's a child star at the time, Joey Kramer. This covers um, the making of the film. There's so much about the making of the film in this, which again covers the fuck me, I didn't know that. It ticks that box, uh, and it's fun, and it talks to the filmmakers and the special effects people and the way that they did things with it and the ship in it that's reflective and the, the CGI of the time that was that was quite groundbreaking, to be honest. And so you get all that sort of making of the film thing, but in, interspersed with that, you get the story of Joey Kramer and how from him starring in that, and before that, he was in the film uh, Runaway with Gene Simmons and Tom Selleck. Uh, oh, God, I haven't watched that for years. Oh, yeah, great film. And... Um, other films that he was in. So it was this child star. And again, you know, the, the history of child stars in the entertainment business quite often doesn't turn out too well. Sometimes it does, which is good. Sometimes it doesn't. 
didn't turn out well for him, mate. He got involved in drugs. He got involved he'd so much time in prison, so much time in prison and substance abuse. And it follows that. Uh, and I'd say probably ooh, a third of the documentary. I mean, it's only 90 minutes, but a third of the documentary is about the making of the film Flight of the Navigator, of which all of it is really, really interesting. Obviously, especially if you've watched the movie. But two-thirds of it is about him and him now and his struggle and his life and how he's just trying to get everything back into order after spending all you know, so much time behind bars and so much time with his substance abuse. And he's, he, he knows it and he breaks down to camera. It's, it's a fucking emotional watch, mate, when you're watching it. And it's like you feel so sorry for him. You know, you can see it in his eyes when you're watching it. And you think, oh, I hope there's some sort of redemption. I'm not going to give away the end of it, obviously. But it's really, really good. It's another one of those that I'm hoping most of the people that listen to us will be familiar with Flight of the Navigator. But even if you're not, it's still, you know, if you don't know the film, it's still a really good documentary. You'll watch it and then you will go and watch Flight of the Navigator. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one that it tugs at your heartstrings. But it is, it's overall, it's... It's a positive story, you know, mm. and yeah. it's well worth watching. I didn't realise, just looking at this, that Michael Crichton wrote and directed Runaway. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, one of his lesser known ones, that is really, that everybody should watch. I just remember about that was didn't there wasn't a, there a gun or something that had the, like the heat seeking yeah but heat seeking but it bullets. follows yeah yeah it follows your specific um, body whatever heat well it, it'll just go after just you no matter where you run and um, it's sort of like these mechanical spiders or something yeah like that. yeah yeah and it injects mm. you with the poison i drove i did a 70 mile round trip to watch that in the cinema when it was released jesus <laughs> yeah i drove to manchester just to watch it because gene simmons was in it and uh, there's a certain scene in it i'm not going to say what it is but people that have watched the film will know what it is um and it's me and ike my best mate since school uh we we Drove to Manchester. I hadn't long since passed my driving test, actually. And and it was the only cinema like in the whole of anywhere where we live. Like I said, it was a 70-mile round trip. And this this one particular scene, oh, my God. We, with no exaggeration, mate, I bet we leapt a good 12 inches off our seats when we watched it. It was like, mm. what the fuck? So, yeah. Again, so if you haven't seen Runaway, go and watch that. That's a little bonus recommendation. Uh, the final documentary that I'd like to recommend is one. I only watched it the other night, and it's from 2020. It's only 86 minutes, and it's called The Last Blockbuster. You can guess what it's about. <laughs> it's about the world's last blockbuster, and it's in a place called um, Bend, um, Oregon. And uh, it's it starts, I think it starts when it's like about six. I think there's four in oh my god this four in somewhere and i forget where it is damn it but anyway it ends with this the last blockbuster in in bend oregon and it tells the story of that and there's loads of there's people talking about it kevin smith's in it and lots of other people and they're talking about their memories of vhs stores and go into a vhs store and mm. you know what that's like mate you'd go you Aww. know back in the day and this this was like nostalgia heaven for me I mean, I worked in a couple of VHS stores, um, 
one of them, the one I worked in the longest one, was what Americans will call a mom and pop store, you know, independently run. And I worked there for a good few years during the eighties. Oh, and it was just, it was just a magical time. And and they, they touch on this in the documentary that you know the generation now that have growing up with all these streaming services with Amazon and Netflix and Hulu and blah de blah de blah just cannot sort of get in the head what it and, and not just what it was like but why would you why would you drive i mean i remember the first one i'm sure i've mentioned it if not on this show on the decade of decadence show with tom going back into the 80s with my dad and where we used to live it was um Oh my God, it was a 50-mile round trip to the closest VHS rental store. There's one opened up in Chester. So we had to drive to Chester. It was a 50-mile round trip to rent a film. And you'd rent it for a week. And I remember vividly the first film that we rented was Dirty Harry. Because mm. my dad was a big Clint Eastwood fan. And he brought it back. And, we, and we'd watch it like every night. Because <laughs> it, it was such like a thrill. It was like, we can watch a film whenever we want. Shall we watch Dirty Harry again? Yeah, go on, let's put it on then. And it was nothing to do this 50-mile round trip to go and rent a film. And eventually, you know, we'd rent two or three. I think there was a limit on the amount that you could rent back then as well. And you'd have them for a week and then you'd take them back. And then, you know, obviously got more popular and video rental stores opened up closer to us. Um, And then, of course, you know, like I said, I ended up working a couple of them, and especially this mom and pop one, which were called Channel 40 which used to be a CB radio, hence why it was called Channel 40. Uh, and that was dying, so they switched over to video rental. It, it was it was a, a golden age, which again, you know, nostalgia is such a great thing. This nails it, um, while also concentrating on this family-run last blockbuster in the world, which is still going. And this is it? Got, yeah, it's still going. And um, there's some great stories about it, and you know, and the community supporting it and renting. You know, it's not you know they have DVDs and Blu-rays in there now, obviously, because uh, hardly anybody's got a VHS player. Uh, but they talk to people about the VHS time and and the, and the rental, and then how Netflix came in and how Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix at the beginning, and you could be watching the latest Blockbuster release now instead of Netflix um, release. Awesome stories. Um, Made all the more all the more better if you are of a of a certain age, <laughs> you and you remember that experience. This this tickles the nostalgia um, nostalgia button a lot. So um, yeah, the last blockbuster is well worth watching. And again, even if you're younger and you're listening to this, have a look <laughs> and think that that's what us oldies had to do back in the day. Instead of flicking through Netflix, it's uh, it was good. I liked it. Mm. It, it's amazing, isn't it? To think like you said. I mean, we where we lived, we had a, a video shop which was only a couple of minutes away in the car. To be honest with you, but you know, um, then my nan had one, and we'd always go in and ask for the posters. Yeah, and yeah as yeah. kids, you know, and because and, you never knew what you were going to get, so you'd have sometimes you'd, you'd strike gold and you'd get some really good ones like Rambo: First Blood Part Two or something like that, and then sometimes you just get a poster of a film that you've, you've never heard of, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was great. And, you know, it was, it was an event, like you said, I mean, mm. the, the video shop that, um, Oh God, what was it called? Moonlight something. I can't, I can't remember, but um, then we got Hollywood nights cause we never had a blockbuster by us. So it was, we the, didn't these, for years and years. Yeah. Yeah. It was these independent ones. 
So, um, you know, you go in and, you know, I just remember renting some awesome films like Tango and Cash and, mm. you know, Die Hard. And this is and die, um, uh, Lethal Weapon 2. Remember watching those with my mom, <laughs> you know, and, and it would just be on the Friday we'd, we'd, we'd get, when they get the new films coming. So I remember, you know, reserving uh, Total Recall and Robocop 2 and, you know, just on mm. and, and you'd put your name down for it and then you'd go in, you'd be so excited to watch oh, it, God, you know, yeah. one of the first ones to watch it. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, you could pay for, to keep it for an extra day or two. Um, and yeah, oh, it's amazing. It, and then our, um, our um video shop had a little arcade machine in the corner as well so you know whilst you're sort of like looking at the, the videos you could you could play some arcades oh, oh, heaven heaven i know i know and it's sad isn't it that this is oh we've talked about this before so i'm not going to bore people but it is i think that's what you know kids today they don't have the patience do they you know? oh no and they do demand. they they do you know they come up with this whole netflix amazon thing where you can you can sit there for half an hour and you're just going I don't know what to watch. And you just scroll in through it, the scroll of death, trying to find a movie. And it's, they, they brought up some really good points, like it was good of people forging relationships, not just with, like, you know, the people, you know, the person behind the counter that you chat to. And if, oh, they've got similar tastes in films to me, and they'd recommend something that you'd never watched. And then you get chatting to them about films and you'd go in. But they're also talking about, you know, like couples would go in. And it would either make or break a relationship because, like, somebody would pick up Last House on the left, and the other one would pick <laughs> would would pick up I don't know Love Story for oh okay well what should we watch then? And it's you know you found out about your you know your possible future partner by the films that you picked in it. There was so much that happened within the video store. Uh, it was amazing, and like you said with posters because I worked um, specifically with Channel Forty. Because I worked there, I got like first access to all the posters and and you know all all the promo stands and everything. I remember having this big cardboard vacuum formed promo stand for the Blob remake, you know oh. that stood out and everything. And I've still got upstairs in the loft. Uh, I should really get them and take pictures and put them on the um, on the podcast Instagram account. I have got so many video covers that I borrowed long term. From from <laughs> from um, from the seller of of the uh, the video store, you know, like pre-cert stuff, VTC stuff, titles and everything. I've got like loads of them. Um, yeah, it was good times, mate. Good times. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that was one thing. I may have said this before, but when I was a kid, or I was sort of like a teenager, that was I wanted to do that as a job. I wanted to work in a video shop oh, awesome. because. You know, you'd you'd be able to talk to the customers, mm. and then you'd be able and watch to watch film, watch films while you worked because there was a TV set up in the corner, and you'd yeah. put a film on. As long you couldn't put an eighteen on, that was the thing. You had to be like fifteen or under. Yes, so you'd, you'd be stood there working, watching films, talking to yeah. people about films. <laughs> you could rent at the end of the day whatever was still in the store, take home for free, watch it. It's like oh my god, this is like heaven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, the good old days, the good old days. Before we get on to um, movies, I do have a vegan alert. Bloody hell. It's been a while since we did this before we started talking about movies, mate, but I did did see one. Uh, For any new listeners, 
Uh, we've already mentioned Letterbox, me and Chris, and, and a lot of the 60MW team were on um, Letterboxd. Go to the Meet the Team page on our website, and I'll give the details at the end of the show, and you can follow us on Letterboxd. Uh, there is a Letterboxd user that um, we've not referred to as much lately, really, mm. um, who is a vegan. And um, we have, just in the sake of parity and everything, we have had my, you know, an audio message we played uh, from my daughter on the show in the past, who's been a vegan for eight years, and um, explaining her thoughts on Vegan Alert. Whee! <laughs> It's, it's uh, so it's this user on um, on Letterboxd, and she, and she reviews films, and and she lets she lets vegans know of anything that could be upsetting to them, and lists it as a vegan alert. Whee! Whee! Some of which are, as my daughter pointed out, and we've talked about, yeah, you know, understandable. You, you don't, you know, I don't want to see animals being killed on film or anything like that. Anything that's too upsetting to animals, we're both animal lovers. We don't like that. But some, like the one I'm about to read, you're thinking, what the fuck? So I've, only, <laughs> I've only got one. I've only got oh, one. But I've I think got it, one. I can see one here, but go on. Go so on. this is one that she wrote. She watched um, She watched Blade. And, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and then you're thinking, oh, okay. So the vegan alert <laughs> is vampires are not vegan. Is that it? That's it. What? Well, but they they don't eat animals, do they? They feed on humans. They feed specifically on humans in Blade, don't they? Which I think they do. I mean, interview with the vampire. I'm sure that Tom Cruise's character, when he's um, has his throat slit. I'm sure that he said that he fed on rats. Some, yeah, so, some vampire films, they do feed on animals, which, fair enough, would be a vegan alert. Whee! Whee! But in Blade, they feed just on humans, from what I remember, which is, that's all right. Especially if they're carnivores. You're doing animals a favour by killing more carnivores. Yeah. I thought that was a weird one, that vampire's not vegan. But the very same film does also have a vegan point. There'll have to be accommodation for my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought, I can press that button again, which is always a good one. Um, so the vegan point... There'll have to be accommodation for my pussy. Is, one word, <laughs> garlic. <laughs> what? Why? Why? Why is that? A vegan point. There'll have to be accommodation for my pussy. Garlic. You could say that about any film that's got, I don't know, is garlic a vegetable or whatever it is? Any film that's got something that's not meat in it could be that. I thought that, that was so strange. So, so strange. I uh, Again, <clears throat> I don't look until, obviously, you mention it. But, uh, yeah, so Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which I haven't watched. No. Um, but uh, I saw the trailer for it. It looked quite mm. fun. So, but anyway, there's a few vegan alerts here. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just testing your sort of like, you know, whether you're paying attention. But there is a vegan point as well. There'll have to be accommodation for my pussy. And the, so what it says is dog who likes Mrs. Harris 
That's what? a good thing. That's isn't that a good thing? That is that's that's a good thing. You'd think so. Surely it is. A dog who likes a human is a that's a good thing. I I question whether this is just a piss take after <laughs> whether or not it is <laughs> but I don't know. It's very odd. Mm. I'll just look actually, there's nothing for Blade 2. Because uh, it looks as if she's watched, she watched those on the same day uh, or logged them on the same day anyway. Mm. But, yeah, there's, there's nothing on for... Um, so no no Blade garlic? Two. No garlic no, in Blade 2? No. 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 She didn't like Blade 2 as much as she liked Blade 1. She gave, she gave Blade uh, 3 and Blade 2, 2. That's a low so, score for Blade, though. In my book, that's a low score for Blade. But Blade's a great film. It's an awesome film. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Blade 2 as much as I've seen Blade because hmm. Blade was one of those that I watched on, I think I bought it. It was one of those uh, DVDs that I got a, a region one version of it. And it yeah. had the, the, the snap little cover, snap cover, it, new line cinema. I'm sure it was new line yes. cinema with a shit ton of extras on it. I think. Yes. Yeah. I think I've still got it. I think so I'm I, sure have. I have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to have a look for that. I'm sure I've still got it. I'm awesome sure. Awesome sound. Got... Club blood. I remember because I, not long since oh, got my yeah. uh, surround sound set up and that Club Blood um, scene was like, fuck me, this sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's a great film. Mm. What was that? Oh, God. Uh, Tracy Lords is in the start of that as well, isn't she? She was that porn star. That I'm sure it's Tracy Lords, isn't it? Mm, she was a porn star. That's right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Don't know why I know that. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, yeah. So we are now onto the onto the movie chat, mate. Do you want to kick us off, or I've got I've got five movies before we get to the double dip. Wow, I think I've watched five movies in total in August. Wow, I know. And one of those is the Spotlight Reflection show, the Cannonball Run. <laughs> which there's no point in me talking about that because you'll hear Adam and I talk about that in some detail once yeah. I've edited it. <laughs> so and and all it. of all of the Spotlight Reflection shows. Everybody yes. should listen to. If you're listening to this, surely you listen to the Spotlight Reflection shows with Chris and Adam. Well, you should do. Um, just so, and also, we haven't recorded it yet, but we our next one, because this show will come out before that, so it's, I suppose, a bit of a preview, is uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh. Which, um, when was the last time you watched that? I did have a look on Letterboxd. I can't see that you've loved No, because it. Letterboxd, I only started, so I started Letterboxd on January the 1st, 2020. And rather than try and log films previous to that, because I've watched, you know, starting, you know, from the early 70s, like tens of thousands of films. So I, I thought I'm going to completely ignore it. Rather than try and remember as many as I could, I'm going to completely ignore them. I'm only going to log films from January the 1st, 2020. Um, mm. So I have seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit more than once, but I haven't seen it since the beginning of January 2020. Well, there you go. So we'll be mm. chatting about that next week, hopefully, when we, we record. <clears throat> we were supposed to do it on Thursday, but we postponed it. But, um, yeah, so it's I'm a bit light, really, on films. And also there's a bit of a theme running um, with the films I've watched. I'm not going to go into the particular detail with them, but out of the five films I've watched in August, three of them are Tom Cruise films, Um <laughs> don't know why i don't know if it's because i watched top gun maverick and then after yeah. that we, i've just been watching a few 
cruise movies yeah older cruise films that as well can't go wrong with that mate no um so yeah we, we watched a few good men which is a cracking film mm. it really is um you know great performances yeah um in it jack nicholson uh tom cruise demi moore and whatever what i have noticed though about watching some of the older tom cruise films i think he did start to change around this time but particularly so i suppose late 80s early 90s when he was becoming a real star mm. is that you you do kind of see he, he does carry over a bit of you know he was known for that sort of like toothy grin wasn't he you know he was that was his thing he's sort of mm. like you know he's i suppose um uh how can i put it you know he's his looks he, he you know and, and and those type of things and so you can almost i i kind of i couldn't get the original top gun out of my mind when mm. i was watching it it is a bit more evolved than that it's not he's not just kind of like the hot shot but he is kind of a hot shot lawyer in this to a certain degree you know he's a rookie but he's still a bit of a hot shot so he's he kind of brings elements of of his earlier films in that you know to, to, but then he I think after watching Top Gun Maverick, he and and it obviously his later films as well. I think he's grown as an actor. Yeah, and um, but it's interesting rewatching them after years, and then watching some of his his more his, his newer films, shall we say, yeah. that you can see how he has definitely developed as an actor. Mm-hmm. Which um, and then going back to Days of Thunder as well, we watched that. I haven't watched Days of Thunder for frigging oh, years. I've not seen that in a long time. And so we watched that. That was on Sky Movies. And um, again, it was always dubbed, wasn't it, of, as, a, as a racing car version of Top Gun. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it is. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's not a bad film, but it's definitely not one of his better films. Um, I think Robert Duvall is really good in that, though. He's um, I like Robert Duvall. So, um, yeah. And then American Made, we watched that, which I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. which um, that's another collaboration of his with, um, oh, God, what was his name? The director. He did uh, Live, Die, Repeat or Edge of True Tomorrow. Story as well, isn't it, that one? Yeah, yeah. So I remember you talking about this many a few years ago, uh, you know, but true story about a pilot in the 80s who um, transported contraband for the CIA and then the cartels. Um, and um, it's it's a fun movie. It's like with some of some of these sort of like based on true life stories, you know, you, you like we've talked about them before. They'll they'll be like shots of the actual people at the end and then there'll be things that have gone and you'd be like oh wow that, that's really cool mm. this this kind of felt a little bit more throwaway it was entertaining but it, it didn't sort of blow me away do you know what i mean mm. it was yeah. it was it was just a it, but it was good it was good uh while it lasted but yeah doug lyman who directed this yeah. and then so he uh worked with cruise before on edge of tomorrow um which, uh, you know, is a cracking film. So, yeah, that's... Uh, and then, I mean, as I, I'm, this, I'm, I'm going through these. I should space them out a bit, really, because <laughs> I haven't got that much to talk about. But we're, it's weird, because I don't know why, but I fancied watching Waterworld, because I haven't seen oh, that for, God, for ages. Yeah. And I remember watching that at the cinema and, yeah. um, you know, really, really, really enjoying it and then watching it on um, DVD a lot. And, again, re-watching it now... It's fun, but it's not as good as I remember it being, mm. um, you know. And so, um, yeah, it's it. And I thought because oh, the kids might enjoy this, or but then 
it's actually it's got a bit of swearing in it. It has, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one use of the F word, which I'd totally forgotten about. I should look into these things really before I put them on for the kids. But um, you know, because I thought, oh, it'd be it's like, you know, a bit of an adventure. It's got a little girl in it, which my, you know, my kids could relate to. And mm. you know, and and then, you know, it's a bit fantastical and adventurous. But it, it's I suppose again, if you, it's a it's a use, I suppose, um, a bit of a lazy way to describe it. I suppose it's just, it's a bit like Mad Max, but on water. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's a fun film. It's not as good as I remember, but it's definitely still watchable. Mm. It's amazing to think how, you know, that film, how much it cost. And, and, oh and my it, God. Yeah. But it didn't lose money. It's, it's still, you know, because like people say, oh, it was a flop. I remember going to a film quiz once and they would, that one of the uh, rounds was about, you know, blockbuster flops um and were they actually did they lose money and block and um, waterworld didn't lose money mm. although you know it cost a lot of money probably didn't make as much as they would have wanted it to but it, it wasn't a flop so but yeah kevin costner was good in it anyway so. yeah dennis hopper as well oh yeah dennis hopper oh, I mean, dennis he, hopper. oh he just chews the scenery up mm. and you know um as the smoke <laughs> the smokers uh yeah <laughs> a fun film yeah, remember, but that, that that was an that was an early film I bought on Laserdisc. Oh wow! Yeah, God, when, yeah. when did Laserdisc stop then? Because um, oh. Laserdisc to me, I, I remember seeing them actual in real life, mm. and they were massive. Well, like LPs, oh, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I never owned one um, because they, they were always oh, notoriously expensive. Yeah, I bought my I bought my Laserdisc player, and if I remember rightly, it was a oh, a pioneer. 2950 i think I, I got it in 95 so you know 27 years ago um but it was one one of the great things about this was because laserdisc were double-sided you'd stop it as were early dvds yeah people I might remember, remember you know they were double-sided yeah. you'd play part one then it stopped and you'd have to eject it and turn it over it was the same with laserdiscs um but with this one uh it it automatically flipped over. You didn't have to take the laser disc out. It played both sides. So it, it was that the laser inside it sort of went along, played it, and then flipped underneath and then played the other side of it. It so didn't, it a, didn't like flip the, it didn't flip the disc, you know, the laser or there were two lasers in it, however it did it. it so you didn't have to get up and change the disc over, which was oh, nice. Okay. Um, so, and, was there a pause though when it did that? Or was yeah, it yeah, there, there was a pause. And again, in the early days of DVD, there was always, and, and in Blu-ray, and even now there's like a layer change pause. Sometimes you can you can see that. And even if it's all on one side, you'll just get a slight pause. But this was, you know, obviously a longer pause. But I got the, I got my Laserdisc player at the same time as I got my 5-1 surround setup. So it was like, so I'd gone from watching VHS on, on mono on the TV. So then I got a bigger TV and a laser disc player and a five one surround setup. So it was like, fuck me, I'm at the cinema. <laughs> and it was, um, uh, it was, and this was, I got a 33 inch CRT V, CRT TV. So at that time, 33 inch telly was massive Huge, we get people coming yeah. to the house and going bloody hell you've got a big telly and it was like 33 inches which now is just a portable to most people <laughs> it's just you know it's it's nothing is it uh i think the the first laser disc i got was speed and to this day i still remember the scene at the beginning 
with the with the elevator and all the wires snapping and everything and it was like going all around and behind me was like and the picture was amazing compared to how I'd seen it on VHS and it was like shit I am at the cinema <laughs> it's uh, crazy but yeah Waterworld was an early an early laser disc that I got always loved that film mm. mm-hmm. that's my films. <laughs> Okay, Sorry. well, I've got, I've got, I've got, what did I say? I've got one, two, three, four, I've got five. Um, right, I will, t- I, I'm going to take, as you will see, but the listeners won't, I'm going to take my first sip of wine. Oh, see, I've been naughty. And, and this is, well, it's actually your fault because I just got a cup of tea and a glass of water. So, yeah. But then a bit of peer pressure when you said that what you'd got, I went and got a JD honey. And, well, pu- yeah, uh, pu- pulling back the curtain before we started recording, I said, um, oh, I've got a cup of coffee. I've got a glass of Vimto and I'm being naughty. I've got a little glass of wine. So then you said, Chris, didn't you? You, you said you'd got, you'd got a cup of tea, hadn't you? Mm-hmm. And you got, was it water? Just water, yeah. So because I got one alcoholic, you, you, you were naughty and went and got something, didn't you? It didn't take a lot for me to cave. It though, didn't. Let's you, be honest. No. It was, <laughs> you were like the like... flash. You disappeared <laughs> and then came back with a drink. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, and the thing is with what, you know, I've got, I've had this bottle for ages, to be honest with you, you know, and, but, um, so I don't drink it very often, mm. but it's, it's one of those where, because you, you know, you pour your own measures. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I can see I your pour, measure. It's, it's a fine measure. That is right. Well, I've, I've drank, um, a bit of it as well. So. <laughs> well, here you go. That's so cheers. Cheers. cheers yes. And, and cheers to everybody that listens to us. Hmm. Mm. There you go. Oh, well, any particular wine you've got? Or, I'm not really, really a wine drinker, I must admit. So I no, really I've, I've found as I've got older, I, I don't really bother with beer as much at all. I mean, I went two and a half years drinking no alcohol. I was um, going to say, you, well, you deserve it because you did uh, go on a long hiatus. Mm, yeah. And um, so, yeah, since I've started, I mean, I'll have the odd drink now and again. This one, I wish I'd taken a picture of it. It's a red wine and it's called, it's by, I think it's got Jam Shed on the front of it because, and it is really jammy. It's a very, it does taste like liquefied alcoholic jam, which may not sound palatable, mm. but, it, but it is, it's, re, it's really nice. So um, I've had one sip now. So at any moment I could turn into Oliver Reed. Who knows? Well- Here's a, here's an app for you. Um, so uh, I'd heard about this before from somebody, but I downloaded an app and it's called Untapped. Have you heard yeah. of this? I used to have that years ago when I used to be into craft beers and everything. Mm. Mm. So I don't, it was, um, well, I can probably tell you exactly when I logged my first beer, but it was, we were on holiday and um, I'd heard about it. And I think it was just a, you know, just a thing to do, isn't it? I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I log my films, I log my beers now. <laughs> so, but the one thing that I've, I don't notice that I don't do anymore when I was younger, I used to go out and get smashed. You know, mm. you just drink any old shit, usually like Carling or, or some cheap mm. lager. But what I've noticed I enjoy doing now with this app in particular is actually just going out and trying what the local beers are. That, you know, that's exactly what it did for me, mate. Definitely. And, and just having a couple of points mm. and I'm happy with that. You know, yeah. I don't need to have more because my mentality when I was younger was like, you know, what's the point in just having one beer mm. <laughs> or yeah. two beers, yeah. you know, you when you want five or six. So, but now I think as I've gotten older, it's more about the actual kind of taste I enjoy, you know, and rather than just drinking the same old 
shit. Mm. But it and the thing is with this, it gives you achievements. It gives you little trophies, it does. doesn't it? It does. It's, yeah. You know, when you, you try a different beer or you try a certain beer or you try a different thing, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you know, well done. Here's a here's a trophy. So yeah. that, that's the little kind of gamey part of my brain that yeah. it tickles. But and, and I don't know what the end game is. It's like, you know, after years of of logging apps, uh logging, sorry, beers, you know, it'll be like, congratulations, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> well done um, it was i remember though when i used to have that uh i remember like going into pubs or if i was going into like a supermarket and wanting to buy a beer i'd be like scanning the shelves or you know ac- across the bar top with all the, the beer pulls and everything and going and then checking the app before i'd order a beer and going oh i've not tried that one i'll try it hmm. just because just like you said just because it's not on the thing i wouldn't gonna get a badge i'm like i'm two beers away from getting another badge and then you'd order it which is it's terrible really it's sad isn't it, it but is. no it's uh it's for, i like doing it i must admit it's, it is uh, a good app it's just a it's a free thing isn't it and it, it, it does send you offers and stuff like you know which um i've not taken any of them up but it you know if you want them it'll send you little offers and stuff but anyway there you go untapped mm. if you're on it if people then want to so i, I think you could probably just search for my name but i think i don't know if i'm on as dastardly jabby i am on everything else yeah. so but if not then just search. oh yeah i am dastardly jabby so um and, uh, that's it yeah so i've logged 59 different beers um <laughs> some of them so 86 check-ins so it uh, you know so you have doubled up I've, a few times oh yeah yeah definitely yeah. um does it list got, like your most popular what does it say which one you've had the most I've got 90, uh, sorry, I've got, yeah, 98 badges I've unlocked. It does throw a lot of badges at you, I must admit. It's quite generous with that. That's how it keeps you uh, drinking. Go on, I know. have another beer. It is. <laughs> Definitely. Um, oh, no, you have to be a, an insider to find out, like, statistics. It's a yeah. bit like um, uh, Letterboxd in that. You know, yeah, I don't, yeah. But I wouldn't subscribe to Untapped. you're not into beer as much as you are into movies <laughs> definitely not the thing is actually um i've just realized that because i had an email off uh, letterbox saying oh you know you've renewed for another which is fine because i mean it's what 15 pound or something it's not it's, it's just over a pound a month it's, it's not much no it's not. so um but you know i think it's a nice way to because you can have the patron and then you can have the pro mm. which uh, uh, subscription which i'm the pro yeah me too because and you could but you could do it for free, but uh, no, I like uh, you know it's it's a, I use it regularly, so it's it's almost like a, a way to support the people that run it and own it. So. Oh yeah, I think if if you're into movies and you're a bit of a geek, it's it's a definite even even the free version. Tina's got the free version. Um, like I said, you and me have got the pro, and it's yeah, it's just like stat heaven. Log your film and you can find out all sorts of shit it's really good mm. i like it and funnily enough uh was it sev we had a bit of a the twitter thing you know he was because it says it shows your most watched or the the actors that have appeared in the films that you've yeah, watched yeah. you know since you've been logging films yeah and samuel l jackson i think appears is everybody he's the top <laughs> of everyone's list isn't it no, <laughs> is it like he's definitely in the top five of everybody that's for sure he's in so many films because obviously he's in all the marvel films and there's you know he's in loads of stuff isn't mm. he so um yeah yeah recommended letterboxd all right i'm gonna fly through then five films uh, I'm going to start off with, we talked about boxing earlier with that 30 for 30 documentary, um, Tommy. Uh, I'm going to stay on boxing. And it's it, it's a true story. It's about another 
proper boxer. But this box, but this boxer was from the nineteenth. <laughs> you can tell you've had a drink. And that, that's like I had. I just had my second <laughs> sip while you were talking. I told you I'd turn into Ollie Reed immediately. Uh, the, this boxer is from the nineteenth century. Called good name, mate, Jim Belcher. The film is called Prize Fighter: The Life of Jim Belcher, and the IMD. Uh, IMDB synopsis is at the turn of the 19th century pugilism was the sport of kings and a gifted young boxer fought his way to becoming champion of England it really is it's like it's like Rocky 3 set in the 19th century so it's well it's a mixture of Rocky 1 and Rocky 3 because he starts off as a nobody and then he starts boxing and he gets to the top of his game and then, like in Rocky Three, it gets really cocky and goes, oh, I don't need to train, I'm the best there is, I'll have a fight, and he gets his ass handed to him. And it's a downward spiral. And because it's a true story as well, which we've talked about already, you know, even in the show and previous shows, is you know, it always draws you in that little bit more. Um and it it's it's good. I mean, Russell Crowe's in it. Don't be fooled, it's not really much of a spoiler. Because uh, me and Tina like Russell Crowe, mm. he's not in it a lot. It's, yeah. it's sort of billed as though he's the star of the film. He isn't. He's not in it much at all. Uh, Ray Winston is in it more than Russell Crowe is in it. And I don't mind Ray Winston. The trouble for me with Ray Winston is he's Ray Winston. He's the same in every film it? he does. Yeah. And he's always like that. You fucking hell. Come on. Even, even when he puts an American accent <laughs> yeah. on... He's still Ray Winston. He's still Ray Winston. And he's, it's the same in this. And he's like, go on, my son, throw a couple of fucking punches. Go on. <laughs> and he does that Ray Winston thing. And Tina, no, I didn't really notice. I did notice, but subconsciously. But Tina pointed it out to me. And I don't know if you've noticed this or the listeners with Ray Winston films. Have you noticed? And it's in every fucking film that he does. The Ray Winston grunt. Once you're aware of it, you cannot unhear it. Every role that he does, he's fucking talking like that, and then he'll go, Oh, uh, yeah. I and know even, you mean, he doesn't no. even need mm. to say a line, and he can be just sort of there, and he'll go, uh, and, and different variations on a grunt, and it becomes a little bit fucking annoying at stages because he's going, oh, it's the Ray Winston grunt again. Uh, so he's, he's all right, and an um, actor called Matt Hookins plays the uh, title role of, of Jim Belcher. And he's really good in it. And you take to him. Um, and, you know, as and again, knowing that, that it's a real person, you feel quite sorry for him, really, because he comes from, like, really humble background. And then he's sort of exploited, in a way, to get into the fighting game. And he's really good at it. But then he becomes too good at it, and he becomes cocky, and, you know, he hits the booze and womanising and... You know, his his version of like Mr. T appears and puts him on his arse and it's like, oh, what's going to happen now? Uh, but the fact that it's a true story it was that little bit extra sort of, you know, icing on the cake that drew me into it. But it's good. Uh, again, you don't need to like boxing movies. It's a good, it's just a good story about somebody's life and knowing that this, and again, it's a fictionalized version of what really happened. It's not, you know, everything that happened and it isn't, you know, exactly how it did happen. Um, but it's good. I, I liked it. If you're into Rocky films, watch Prize Fighter, the, the Life of Jem Belcher. It's worth watching. Mm. Um, got Julian Glover and Stephen Burkoff in it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Cast. Uh, yeah, 
I thought Julian Glover had died. I don't know why. I just because um, <laughs> I last saw him in um, Game of Thrones. Um, but uh, it's going back to uh, Roger Moore, James Bond connection because hmm. he was in For Your Eyes Only. So um, uh-huh. and, and also obviously the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where yeah. he was the guy that aged, you know, in seconds. Yeah, yeah. After drinking from the cup, so mm-hmm. bloody hell. There you go. Uh, I'm going to stick. What's that? Um, is that Amazon Prime? Is it? it were, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Amazon Prime. Okay, it's on one of the streaming services. I'm pretty sure it's Amazon Prime. What kind of accent does um, Russell Crowe have? Because it's, he's a bit infamous for his oh, accent. I think it's a while since we watched it. We watched it not long after we recorded the last episode. I think, and don't quote me on this. I think he might be Irish. Oh right, okay, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, we we did want more of Russell Crowe, to be honest. But hey, it was still good. Uh, sticking with um, true life stories, uh, a Ron Howard film called 13 Lives, people may oh, remember yeah. about in Thailand where a group of, um, of young boys football team uh, and their coach uh, got trapped in a series of underground caves. And then the monsoon season kicked in. And it's flooding, and I'm not going to give away any spoilers. But of course, if you, you know, if you do know that new story, you know how it all panned out. Even knowing how it all panned out, <laughs> this was so tense. You mentioned at the beginning of the show, mate. You know about like gripping the arms of the couch. We were like this. We were like fucking hell. Uh, and it did on a couple of things. And Tom as well, you know, swapped messages with Tom about it. Uh, and it got, you know, he knew how the the actual true life story panned out. Uh, he, like us watching it, went, well, fuck me, I never knew that. There was things that happened in it which are absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. So it's like watching, you know, you can watch films, say, about, you know, 9-11 or you know titanic or you know things like that and you know how the endings you know how it's going to be but it doesn't necessarily take away the tension from it and this has got so much tension in it specifically with the way and i didn't know this tina didn't know it tom didn't know it the way that they plan whether successfully or not which i'm not going to say to get the the young lads and the coach out of the caves and through this water system and into safety, the, what they had to do to try and do this, I didn't know this happened. And it's like, holy shit, this is incredible. It, it really is incredible. Um, so it's worth watching for that. So get ready to uh, grip the arms of your couch, mate. Because mm, he, he did uh, Apollo... 13 as well he did he? yeah so, i think I saw, it, I saw an interview with him and and uh, the interviewer was saying oh this would make a good double bill in apollo 13 and 13 lives it can be the 13 double bill from ron howard <laughs> it's got good cast as well isn't it i mean like mm-hmm. uh vigo mortensen Car- uh, colin farrell yeah, Joel yeah. edgerton um i haven't seen vigo mortensen in in anything for ages yeah. him him and colin farrell are really good in it yeah mm. Yeah, it it is. It's good. I mean, it's a long film. It's two and a half hours, uh, but it didn't seem two and a half hours. You know, it 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 flew by, and like I said, we were gripped by it. And more than once, we were going, "Fuck me, that's like incredible." Knowing that it happened 
as well. It's just, you know, fair play. <laughs> you know, again, it's another of those examples where real life is um, more strange than fiction sometimes mm-hmm. and, you know, and more entertaining. Uh, quickly, I'm sure most people listening to this would have seen it already. Uh, Elvis from this year. The yeah, Baz, I the haven't Baz seen it. Film. Yeah, we were going to go to the cinema to watch it, but then, like I said, the summer holidays happened and we never went to the cinema. Mm. So, um, but it, it was on my radar to watch and it will be when it, you know, it's available to watch. Um, so, yeah, but g- tell me about it. Yeah, I think, well, Baz Luhrmann is one of those directors, I think, that you either take to or you don't. He's got his own specific style. Um, I love it. So, you know, everything he does, I I really enjoy uh, this. Um, I'm not a huge Elvis fan, you know. I remember I remember the day he died. I think I've talked about it on, on shows before, and I remember the next day and seeing, seeing women here in the UK on the doorsteps crying just like in tears and going oh Elvis is dead um but I, I you know I, I enjoy his music and you know I'm familiar with his story but again this told me things that I went oh didn't know that before uh, Austin Butler as Elvis is fucking brilliant absolutely brilliant he's got the moves nailed down the charisma uh everything about it there's certain scenes and it. it goes through I mean you're going to have to take like a full fucking 20 part Netflix series to tell the story of Elvis. Mm. So, you know, trying to tell it in, um, Oh God, how long is this film? It's, I think it's quite a long film as well. I'm just trying to look now on IMDb and I can't see, um, two hours, 39 minutes. So it's quite a long film, but it's nothing when you're trying to tell the story of Elvis for God's sake. So yeah. it's, it zips through from him as a young boy, right through to his death and sort of picks out different pieces in it. The, I mean, this this the stuff where he first appears on a stage in front of people, and there's the blokes in the audience taking the piss out of him and going about, oh, his girly long hair and his pink suit and blah blah blah, and then he starts playing the music and you know he moves his hips and does all of that, and every female in the audience just loses their shit over him, and like then the males are going, oh shit, <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, it's yeah, Austin Butler is incredible in it. Tom Hanks, I mean, I love Tom Hanks, and I don't know. It it obviously I've got no idea of how Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis's manager, talked, what his accent was like, and that. But it seems at times he comes across as like almost like a cartoon character, the way mm. that is portrayed in it. And I know he really, you know, he exploited Elvis, and it's made clear in this film as well. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just seems a bit over the top almost compared to the rest. Of, I mean, you know, Baz Luhrmann is over the top with the films anyway, but it, this particular performance seems just a little bit over the top. Uh, it, it sounds a bit Germanic. Like he's quite, I don't know what, when I, cause I've watched the trailer. Yeah. Cause he's and, not and American. It, yeah. He's is he Austrian? If I is, remember it, rightly. is it that? Yeah. And it did sound a little bit distracting in the trailer. Mm um so yeah i can but like, like you i love tom hanks i think he's fantastic oh yeah I, i'd love him as well and this so entertaining i mean this is a buyer on 4k blu-ray for me um easily watch it a good few times again the, the music the acting the cinematography the choreography everything about it was just spectacular the soundscape i mean pumped it through the you know the surround sound system it was just it just enveloped us for over two and a half hours in in like this visual and oral just 
pleasure dome. It was amazing. Mm. It was it was really really good, and one of those that I'm sure I'll love even more on uh, on rewatches going forward. So again, I don't think you need to be a fan of Elvis to watch it. You're going to yeah. get something out of it, uh, no matter what. It, it you know it just looks sounds really good and a great story. Uh, and I know that Tina was was very taken by Austin Butler. I think because it uh, was yeah. I mean, it's not quite you know as we've said many times on this show. I think you know. Mads Mikkelsen is the ultimate three toweler for her to sit on while watching one of his films. <laughs> I think Austin Butler thinks she slid at least one towel under her while she was watching it. So yeah, she really did like him. He's he was yeah. good. He was really good. I mean, he does, he's fucking you know a very handsome man and a very good actor. He he does yeah. so. He obviously did a lot of studying for the part. I've and, watched and some of the comparison videos of of him and Elvis, mm. like and being on stage. Yeah, and it's uncanny. It really is. Yeah. I mean, because he's not, he's not, you know, an identical double for him, you know, facially or anything, but he really embodies the spirit of Elvis when he mm-hmm. does the part, and, you know, that that shines through all the way. Uh, on this show, we've we've slated so many fucking Netflix movies, mate, haven't we? Over the over the yes, <laughs> over the year. Now there was one that we watched. Uh, me and Tina watched it. Uh, a vampire film called Day Shift. Oh, this is Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Dave Dave Franco. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to suggest this as a potential double dip. Yeah. And it's, while it's not amazing, it was very enjoyable. We both sat and really, it was fun. I think that's a one word review. Fun. Silly. Uh, Got some good gory bits in it as well. So it's Jamie Foxx plays a, he's a vampire hunter. And um, he's 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 a bit of a naughty vampire hunter. There's this this whole um, this agency of vampire hunters, and they do the day shift and they've got the night shift. And he's been kicked off because he broke you know there's certain rules for being a vampire hunter, and he broke the rules, so he was kicked out. Uh, but he's desperate for money. He's estranged from his his wife and his daughter, and he wants to be back with them, and he needs money quick. Uh, so the way to do that is he wants to get back into the agency. He wants to hunt vampires and get, and get money, which is the basic premise of it all. Uh, it's it's good. One of the one of the things that we really enjoyed while watching it was, and now we thought we thought it was really good CGI at the time when we watched it. And I've slated CGI many times over this show and decade of decadent show. You know, I'm always give me practical effects. So we we watched. I found it on YouTube. Actually, it was uh, a making of Day Shift, and without giving too much away, the way that a lot of these vampires are killed, there's a lot. There's a lot of physical action in it. This CG, you know, a lot of the blood is CG and and so on. But there's a lot of people being thrown about, and necks broken, and backs broken, and amazing fighting scenes. Really fucking enjoyable f- fighting scenes. And we went, that's that's really good CG. Then we watch this making of, oh no, mate, it's not CG. They hired, I think it was nine contortionists and they showed, so they'd got these contortionists on wires and then of course, you know, they did the action scene and then they speeded up for the movie, but they're throwing these contortionists against the wall. Holy shit. I mean, the things they can do with their body is incredible. It really does look like there's one specifically where she's thrown against the wall you would swear that her neck breaks and then her back breaks. Mm. So what you think is really good CG 
They really did that. <laughs> they just speeded it up a little bit to give it that bit more oomph as you're watching it. And this scene, you know the creepy scenes where, you know, there's like legs over the shoulders and they're sort of scuttling along the floor and this, that and the other. Yeah, they're really doing all of that. So when, <laughs> when you watch Day Shift, if you think most of it, it's really it's really people doing it. It's the these I think it was I'm pretty sure it was nine contortionists that they hired and they're doing it. And it makes such a fucking difference that it's real people doing real things. And it's such a simple thing that they put them on wires and they just speeded it up a little bit to make it look so convincing. And it looks convincing. And it's just fun and it's silly. And yeah, day shift. It's recommended as as just an enjoyable, silly, fun, funny vampire movie with great effects in it. Looking at it, the, the director, J.J. Perry, it's his first film that he's directed, mm. but he's got a history of stunt work um, and he's worked on 100, over 100 films, and uh, including Blade. Funnily enough, he did some of the stunt work on that. I'm just looking at through some of the, the things he's done. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's ironic that I suppose that he's, you know, doing this there's um vampire yeah there's, there's, but i suppose having that background background and understanding of stunt work you know he, yeah. at least he can bring that to the screen can't he mm, exactly and there's a couple of characters in this called the um nazarian brothers and one of them is scott atkins um, oh no way Amazing. yeah yeah um previous interview guest on the show gratuitous plug go back and listen to when i interviewed him uh, so, yeah, Scott Atkins and Steve Howie play the Nazarian brothers. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure um, in my letterboxed review for this movie, I put something along the lines of, I want a Nazarian brothers movie. Because th- when they appear, they steal the film. They are fucking awesome in it. And I would love a film just about those two brothers killing vampires. Because they're in one major scene. Oh, it's one of the best scenes you're ever going to watch, mate. It is mm. so... And it's, you know, we both love Scott Atkins anyway, don't we? So Yeah, And then cool. th- this scene that he's in with Steve Howie is just fucking incredible. And it's one of those where you want to you want to literally stand up and, and do a do an audible whoop as you're watching it. It's got Peter Stormare in it. I'm just taking a guess here, wild guess. Is he a bad guy? Mm, I'm not going to say. I don't want to spoil uh, it. Okay, okay, fair enough. I don't uh, spoil sorry, it. he's generally a bad guy in the films mm, he plays. Yeah. Isn't he? <laughs> so, but it is. It's. It is. It's a good Netflix film, mate. Oh bloody hell! Bloody what's Stone the Crows? <laughs> they do exist. So, <laughs> um, finally, before we get onto the double dip, um, I'm going to I'm going to take us back to 1993. Now, you and me both like. Cobra Kai, the TV series Cobra Kai. Yeah. So in that, um, so in the, was he introduced in the last series that was on or the series before? Ian um, Thomas Griffith. Griff, is it Griffin? Thomas, Thomas Griffith? Ian Griffith. Tom, uh, yeah, sorry, I got it mixed up. Yeah, yeah Thomas Ian Griffith. Um, so this film from 93, obviously after he was in, um, he was in Cratty Kids. Three. Three, wasn't he? Um, so, yeah, this this is Excessive Force from 1993. It's only, it's your typical 90-minute um, 90s action movie. Long-time listeners, you'd have heard me talk about PM Entertainment and my love of their films. And, you know, I own over 100 of them on DVD. If you're not familiar with them, just please Google PM Entertainment. Incredible 90s action movie um, people. 
limited budgets, fucking absolutely crazy stunts. Um, great stories. It's hugely entertaining. The biggest compliment I can give Excessive Force is it really reminded me of a PM Entertainment film, mm. which, you know, I can't say better than that. What a fucking cast. So you got Tom, Thomas Ian Griffith, James Earl Jones, oh. Lance Henriksen, oh. Tony Todd, oh. Burt Young. Oh. It's like, what? Why have I never seen this before? Why am I only watching this now? This is ridiculous. And um, Tina bought it. I forget how we saw that, how we how we sort of came across this film to begin with. I think it was something to do with like a new trailer for Cobra Kai or something. And we went down a rabbit hole and then the trailer for this appeared. And I went, ooh, that looks good. And I said then, I said, oh, it looks like a PM Entertainment film. So Tina, thank you, Tina. She bought it me on DVD. Uh so we watched it. Oh, it's it's amazing how how Thomas Ian Griffith didn't have a better career than he did. I've got no idea because he really he really can kick ass. You know, in Cobra Kai, he does the the martial arts and everything. Uh, in this, his sort of signature move, his signature move is this kick, and he lifts his like he lifts his leg up like really high, and he sort of. He kicks down like on people's heads. It's like, how the fuck did you get your leg that high? <laughs> he does really high kicks in this. He's, you know, he's obviously an accomplished martial artist. He's so yeah. good in it. And the thing is, he's got, he's, he has that X factor. He's got a real good screen presence in it as well that you, you know, you, you're locked into when he's on screen. Um, and it's the you know, storyline. It's it's you know cops, robbers, three million dollars goes missing, the mobs involved, chief chief of police's. You know this something. There's nothing surprising narrative wise. It's just um, it's just so fucking enjoyable. And Thomas Ian Griffith wrote it as well as starred. In it. He fucking wow. wrote it. Uh, yeah, it's. When it finished, me and Tina both said we we were quite gutted. Actually, it's like he should have had a better career, really, because he's mm. charismatic on screen. He's really good at martial arts. And granted, you know this isn't you know, a mega budget film. It is that PM Entertainment level. But he could have, he could have carved out a career, much like much like Scott Atkins is doing now. Who who himself deserves a better career than he's got? You know, he's, but he is he does appear in some A list films you know some big budget films uh but yeah with that cast with the action with his charisma with the fighting it's yeah it's well worth it's well worth checking out especially you know especially if you're enjoying you know watching cobra kai and you've watched karate kid and etc um i got no idea about excessive force before we went down this rabbit hole and, and discovered it in fact it's in front of me now and the trailer's playing out in silent and he's just done one of those kicks where he lifts his leg ridiculously high. It's just like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. It, it, it's good that he's getting a bit of a resurgence. I mean, like you said, I, I, I think probably would have noticed him first in Karate Kid Part 3, but then it was uh, Vampires by John Carpenter, which he had a bit quite a starring role in that, didn't mm. he? Playing the sort of lead vampire. And, and that was... I think, the thing is with him 
he's always had good hair, hasn't he? He's always oh yeah, he's got he's got great <laughs> hair in this as well. <laughs> so and you know I think he he got that look definitely of a of a vampire. Um, it took you know vampire seems to be the theme of this show, but um, <laughs> I haven't watched that for ages either. I, I just thought that was quite a fun film. Mm. Yeah, that is one a of film. one of um, Carpenter's later better films. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of his a lot of his later films get shit on really, but I like that one as well. I want to rewatch it now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there you go, mate. There's there, there's five movies for you that you may have, or may not have heard of. Uh, which takes us on to the double dip, I guess. Oh <gasps> yes. Ooh. Okay then. Um... And now. Preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. I'm the bad man. have been for a long time. That's three people likely killed with the same weapon. What's that? Found them on the floor. Your shooter's losing his mind. Anything else I can do for you? The room number again? It's on the key holder. Ah. The retainer for your services is $10 million. No. Call the contractor. I don't hurt children, ever. Listen to me very carefully. The girl stays alive. You're answerable to me. Thirteen-year-old been relocated to a group home. Was I here last night? Yes. What's wrong? You're sure. Hugo thinks it's a pro settling scores. Trafficking, Vincent Sierra. I can't keep doing your job for you. Who is this? You're too slow to make them pay. What they did to children. They're not doing anything about it. He's taking out the traffickers that we couldn't. He's interfering with an international investigation. You said he wasn't going to be a problem. I've done crazy things. Why don't you and I just have a talk? I know you're not well. No time for that. If I'm dead, you'll never know the truth. Stand down! I want to believe that you're a good man, Vincent. If I can't finish this, you have to. But they have to be punished. Which side of this do you really want to be on? I want justice. have to die. What's important is what you do before you go. Well, there you go. That was the trailer for Memory, directed by Martin Campbell. You'd have heard Liam Neeson whispering. Whispering. He has a certain set of skills. Oh, Sorry, does. that's, that's a different film. Them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a different film, but they all kind of blend into one. Yes, they do. Um, so, yes, directed by Martin Campbell. This is available on Amazon Prime, mm. uh, released in 2022, um, although I think it was made in 2021. Yeah. Um, the synopsis on imdb is an assassin for hire finds that he's become a target after he refuses to complete a job for a dangerous criminal organization 
just before I get into more into this, I should say the double dip are picks that I and Dave haven't watched, or Dave and I, I should say. Um, we send each other a recommendation, and then that, this was my recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, as I said, I haven't watched it, and neither has Dave. Um, so this has got a 5.6 out of 10 um, out of 16,000 ratings on IMDb. So it's just above average, I suppose. Mm. Um, Metacritic has a 41 rating. Wow. Which is a bit more critical. Out of 28 critic reviews, uh, four positive, 17 mixed and seven negative. So I'll take a quick I'll take one of the top ones here. So um, Chicago Sun-Times. Neeson never phones in his performances, but he's particularly invested this time around playing a guy who can be a pure killing machine one moment and has lost as a child the next. Pierce and Bellucci headline the terrific supporting cast and the 78-year-old Campbell proves he can still direct the hell out of a slick and engrossing thriller. That's one of the uh, better ones. Um, We'll go with... Uh, Roger Moore uh, from Movie Nation. <laughs> this is an average one. It's still a half decent movie, closer to Neeson's late career take and peak than his most recent films. But if he's letting the audience see the writing on the wall, it might be time for him to stop and read it too. Mm. And then we'll go with one of the rubbish ones. Uh, <laughs> this is, oh, The Observer. Let's go with this one. Um, It is an absurd premise, one made even more so by its execution, which at the hands of veteran Hollywood thriller director Martin Campbell, the one-time director of Bond films, who has been in movie jail since 2011's Green Lantern, is often lacklustre and, on occasion, shockingly inept. That was a bit harsh. We've talked about a Martin Campbell film before. That was a Netflix one with Jackie Chan, wasn't it? Yeah, Um, yeah. uh, Which I totally don't know the name of. (laughs) gone from my memory (laughs) which is so good that was uh no but i think we quite enjoyed that we did actually yeah we did we did and that got pierce brosnan in it as well Mm. um fuck what was that although although we have ripped another pierce brosnan film to shreds recently oh that was terrible (laughs) yes that wasn't good um so um as we've already mentioned so liam neeson is an assassin who um has a brother who has Alzheimer's and uh, he discovers that he has early onset Alzheimer's as well. Although we've just realized, didn't, didn't know this because Liam Neeson seems a little bit ageless, doesn't he? Mm. You know, um, he's actually 70 years old, which is crazy. He's crazy. Considering he's still making like, I suppose, action films to a certain degree mm. or thrillers. Um, so yeah. And he is a hitman for hire and he doesn't want to do a particular job and then like you said he becomes the target and you know i suppose you've seen these kinds of films before um the cast is liam neeson guy pierce uh monica bellucci who they've been mentioned now get this while i was watching the film i noticed one of the the actors in it and I thought, I recognise him from something. I'm sure I've seen him in something. I don't know if you remember. You used to watch Coronation Street, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, back in the day, yeah. So do you remember, uh, so that the guy who is one of the first people that goes to kill um, Liam Neeson, he, he he actually, he gets the job off him to begin with, and then he turns into a, an assassin himself. Hmm. 
So if I say the name Jez Quigley to you from Coronation Street, does that ring any bells? Mm, not immediately, no. Oh, okay. So he was a drug dealer that, um, what was the uh, the Irish dad? One of the McDonald's, what, um, Jim McDonald. He, I think he killed oh, him. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, and then another little connection here. So one of the, uh, an, an actress who plays, I got a bit mixed up. I, I must admit, I lost sort of like who was who, but she comes on to one of the detectives um, and she, she's sort of like swimming. And I think her husband is killed. Um, she is played by an actress called Natalie Anderson, who was in Emmerdale for over 500 episodes. <laughs> and then she's in Hollyoaks as well. She's been in Hollyoaks. Oh God, this is like soap heaven. I know. And then, so you got Ray Stevenson as well, the British actor. You got Taj Atwell, who plays one of the detectives. So she's from Norwich and she was in uh, Line of Duty. And then looking at some of the other cast members. Uh, so one of them you got here is Ray Fearon. He's another British actor. Scott Williams. He is from Liverpool. He's been in TV stuff. And I was just looking through the cast. So obviously, you've got, you know, Liam Neeson, Guy Pearce, Monica Bellucci. But then the vast majority of the cast after that, they're all British actors. And it's because it's set in like Texas, isn't it? El, El Paso, that kind mm. of thing. And, and, you know, it looks decent. It looks quite good, you know. And, and But looking at the, the, the actors that are, I mean, this one, she's from County Durham, you know, but they all <laughs> have pretty convincing accents i thought they anyway do. yeah yeah but do. when i started to look into it i think jesus this guy was in coronation street she was in emmerdale <laughs> and for people who don't know what i'm talking about these are like quite famous soap uh soap operas in the uk so yeah so that was quite surprising i suppose you know because uh what we're, well we'll get into what we think of the film in a bit but it, it you know it's a relatively big budget film i suppose it's got you know big name actors in it <laughs> um it's on Amazon Prime. And then, yeah, it's got a lot of people that have appeared in TV mm. stuff in this. I haven't had hugely, you know, uh, you know, or haven't done a huge number of movies, shall we say. So, um, yeah, just I thought found that quite interesting. But, it is. Um, it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there are, there are so many people. I mean, because, you know soaps over here in the uk are so huge and you know there's, there's quite a few of them you know the big ones like coronation street east enders emmerdale hollyoaks etc uh there are so many that leave them and then want to go on i'm going to be the movie star not not often even get success within television never mind like all the movies once they leave soap operas but like you said everybody in this they do a really convincing job. It's like, yeah. yeah, you're believable. That's fine. Yeah. Um. And it was The Foreigner. That was the film that mm. he directed with Jackie Chan and um, yes. yeah, Pierce yeah, Brosnan. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what did you think of it? I thought, it's a bit of a cop out saying this, but I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was shit. We've watched a hell of a lot worse in the double dip movies we've watched a hell of a lot better i th i thought it was fine liam neeson you know like you alluded to at the beginning in your intro he, see, he seems to be have been playing sort of a similar sort of character for i don't know like 15 years now is it since taken probably Some, something yeah. like that and, you know when you said like holy shit 
70. I mean, when people, if, if, if Taken was about 15 years ago and you, th you know, they thought he was old then to play an action hero, which would have made him what 55. Uh, here he is 70 and still doing it. I, I, you know, I guess still only still doing it convincingly. You know, at least in my eyes, he's still doing it convincingly. Uh, it just seems to be the characters are very similar. The storylines are quite similar. I think you said as well, uh, was it the Telegraph who said the premise of it was absurd, I think you said? Mm -hmm. I liked the premise of it. I liked the thought that it was a hitman, an aging hitman and dementia was coming on him and his memory loss was obviously having an effect on the way that he could do his job. I I liked that side of it. I didn't think it was absurd. And I, I, that was one of the things that hooked me into it. Um, the action was okay. Uh, you know, obviously Martin Campbell's proved himself as a, as a director, not just within the Bond films, but, you know, generally it didn't do that whole thing that I hate with, you know, the whole shaky cam thing, mm. the editing where the action scenes, you know, there's an edit every half a second and you've got no fucking idea what's going on. I hate that kind of stuff. You know, at least when action happened, you could see what was going on. You could follow it, which which was, you know, which was all right. Uh, Liam Neeson's character was good. Again, I've said before, <laughs> I've said before, as I get older, I get more joy watching old, older men kicking arse. <laughs> I think that's just me getting older that I can relate to that more. And it's, yes, go on, you know, shoot people, kick people, kill people. As an, old, <laughs> as an older man, you can still do it. Life isn't over yet. <laughs> and it's like, it's just like living my life through them. Um, it's it's just I think it's I think with Liam Neeson it's just it's sort of wearing thin with people are obviously because maybe it's because of the success of Taken that people then any sort of action film that is in immediately go back to that and go it's just like another Taken clone and he even though in Taken he is a different character he he wasn't a hitman suffering from Alzheimer's. It's just he's he sort of seems to be locked into this aging action hero role. I mean, which good for him. I mean, when I think of Liam Neeson, the first time that he came to my attention was um, back in eighty one, watching Excalibur at the cinema. Oh God, yes, yes. Oh, I love, I love that film. And now, yeah. as as we record, and I'll hold it up to. I don't know if you can see that on the camera. I'm wearing a, a copper bracelet um, that, yes. that Tina bought me, which has... Uh, I can invoke the dragon's breath because on it... Tina will love this bit of the podcast. Uh, it, it, engraved on it is the words that Merlin says of... Anol nachrach, uthas bedfach, doch del dienvei. Oh, God. That's oh, how much I love memories. that film. I, I yeah. memorised that from earlier. I watched it at the cinema on release um, twice. I played the shit out of it on VHS. I fucking mm. love that film. If if nobody's watched that, go and watch Excalibur. It's awesome. So that's when um, that's when Liam Neeson came to my attention. Uh, the second film I think of him when is the Big Man um, from oh nineteen nineteen ninety with Billy Connolly. Uh, back to boxing again, where he's like a bare knuckle boxer. Uh, also, The Dark Man as well from 1990 as well. I remember renting that on VHS. Um, 
So, you, you know, he's got a history as doing some action, but I think it was Taken that really took him to another level as far as sort of action films are concerned. Um, yeah, I thought, it, going back to what I originally said, I thought it was okay. It was nothing special. It, I never got bored with it. It never really sort of made me go, oh, fuck me, this is amazing. Um, there were some good ideas with it. Like I said, I love the idea of him having Alzheimer's. I don't think that was that particular avenue of the narrative was it sort of burrowed into as much as it could have been. Mm. Um, I thought they could have done a little bit more more with that. It did suffer from, there were things in it, and we, we, we've said this many times, where, oh, I'm supposed to be surprised at this happening now, and you knew it like ages ago. <laughs> you know, the, the foreshadow on it, on it was shit it was it was just telegraphed so much that you just weren't surprised at a bit you were supposed to be surprised at but overall it was all right i think i gave it without checking i think i gave it a two and a half on that boxed which for me is you know bang it bang in the middle out of the five stars it was all right there's a there's a fair chance i might watch it again uh and again i i rate my films on letterbox not how good the film is um in air quotes um, but how much I enjoy a film. So again, as as, as an example for any new listeners, like, um, oh, Inception, not Inception, what, what's the Chris Nolan film? Oh, Tenet. Tenet, yeah. I mean, great film, you know, I can appreciate from the way it's film, cinematography, direction, blah, 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 blah. Didn't enjoy it, bored shitless by it. So I think I'd give that, like, I don't know, two stars, maybe. Um, but, like, the films like Samurai Cop, shit film, you know, awful. Fucking love it. Hugely enjoyable. That's a five-star film. So that's how I rate films on Letterboxd. So this was, for enjoyability, it was, like, two and a half. It, it was decent, but nothing that particularly stood out. I mean, was that the same for you? Did, you know, did... Did you think he was the same as other things? Did that thing with the telegraph, with the with, with the premise of it, was absurd? What did you think of the premise of it? Did that hook you in or, or take you out of it? Yeah, no, I think it was because I, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it because it showed, you know, a bit of vulnerability to him. He, mm. You know, he, he wasn't, you know, he was da- obviously dangerous, but at the same time he, he was, you know, um, struggling. Yeah, and he recognised that, didn't he? You recognised that, oh, shit, I'm, so, I'm sort of failing here. Yeah, so I liked that, but it was fairly formulaic, and mm. you know, um, I mean, you know, um, Guy Pearce is always generally quite watchable and oh, stuff. God, yeah. But yeah, um, and and you know, Monica Bellucci is she's aging like a fine wine, isn't she? Definitely. Um, <laughs> but no, and it, you know, and the action sequences were were decent, mm. um, but it was it was definitely one of those which was more just kind of you know. Um, it it didn't blow me away, but I wasn't bored with it. It was pretty middle of the road. Mm. There was there was nothing about it that um, I think if it hadn't have had that aspect of his own vulnerability and illness, I would have been less interested yes, in it. Definitely, if he'd have just been an assassin and people were after him because he didn't want to go through with a job, then I would have yeah been, yeah yeah this is just 
No. Yeah. It would have, I suppose it would have been a different film because there probably would have been more action elements to it and stuff. Mm. But so no, I, I quite liked it for that reason. But yeah, it was just, yeah, it was, it was, it was okay. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great though. Mm. He's still, um, he, I think, I don't know about you, mate, but I think he's still convincing as like an action hero for want of a better word i mean you can see where you know stunt doubles were used etc but i think he's still got that sort of intimidating screen presence that you'd go yeah i wouldn't spill your pint you know it's yeah. one of those isn't it that yeah he's still got that certain something that is believable in roles like this yeah definitely but i think it is a case of i mean i'm looking at some of the films that he's done over the last few years since taken and a lot of them as well they've got like one word name let you know names yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like i don't know i haven't watched all of them but at the same time i get the feeling that a lot of them are just kind of taken knockoffs if you know what i mean mm. they're sort of very similar to that yeah um i mean there's one here which i, I remember watching was unknown which mm-hmm. if i remember rightly I, I, he yeah he Man wakes up from a coma and to discover that someone has taken his identity, and and he's thinking, well, wait, okay, so it's like <laughs> you know, I suppose victim of his own success in some yeah. ways, isn't it? You know, he's just kind of um, making films which are, you know, similar to what you've made yeah. before. I've got to say so, though, I I do really like the grey from two thousand and eleven. I've seen that one. I I really like that way. It's a um. Did Joe Carnahan direct it, that one? It, it, it's like, it's oh, it's a little bit like a live where there's a plane crash in the snow and icy conditions. But the difference with this is there's a huge fucking wolf that comes after them. Um, yeah, I've got it on Blu-ray, watched it and uh, really enjoyed it, then bought it on Blu-ray, watched it on Blu-ray, enjoyed it again on a rewatch. So, mm. uh, yeah, and that's got enough about it. That it's a little bit different, like we said, from the action movies. Now, even though it is action, um, you know, he's still vulnerable in it, and it's just, it, it looks good, and there's a few surprises in it. So, yeah, I, did, I really enjoy The Grey. Mm. Well, I've, what I think found about looking at his filmography is that, you know, he, there's a lot of, forgettable fluff should we say yeah. but then you know he will appear in some gems and and so like for example you know he's in um batman begins mm. and you know he's one of the best better things in that and yeah. then he, he was the best thing in um the phantom menace for me he, yeah he, yeah you know he was actually he was the best person that i not that i related to him but he just he actually showed some humanity and mm. he didn't come across as just a sort of robot acting yeah. against blue and green screen um, you know, so he does do a lot of, he has done some really good stuff, but I think it's becoming a bit more difficult to find, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So. Yeah. But fair play to him, you know, still being active at 70 and, and making a lot of films and, you know, looking at his IMDb now, I mean, he's credited with 144 appearances as an actor and there's so many that are like either in post-production or um, pre-production, which, you know, it, it Still doing it. Yeah. So I int- I think I introduced this in the last show because the last films that we talked about were crap. So it was like kind of like, <laughs> if we can't recommend this, what would you recommend? So, I mean, ultimately, would you recommend this to somebody? I know we said it's middle of the road, but would you say, oh, yeah, or, you know, go and watch this? Mm, probably no. I think there's a lot better than this. 
and definitely, yeah. definitely, as we've said, far better Liam Neeson films. So, and you've already mentioned a couple of them. So that's the next question then is, if you weren't going to recommend this, what Liam Neeson films would you go out and rec- say somebody needs to go and watch? Oh, okay. Yeah. Excalibur. Start where I started with him. Um, the Big Man. There's two. And The Grey. So like, yeah, let's say three. Excalibur, The Big Man and The Grey. Awesome. So my um, immediate one that I went to was Dark Man, Sam Raimi. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's it's uh, it was a bit of a flop, I think, when it came out. It was, but it yeah. is, it is a very you know entertaining film. And if you you obviously watch Dark Man now, knowing what you know about Sam Raimi with uh, Spider Man, mm. you know, I suppose and Doctor Strange to a lesser extent, is that there's a lot in there that you can see what came out of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, it is a comic book mo- movie. Yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty much. The thing is, I, I must admit. Right, and I don't know if people are going to shout at me now, but I've not watched Schindler's List. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's not because I don't want to particularly, but at the same time, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched. I actually, it's it's funny you should say that because me and Tina this afternoon we sat and watched. We you know we went down the usual YouTube rabbit hole, and there was a forty minute video when we watched. We only watched the first fifteen minutes of it. And it was um, it was the soundtracks of movies and TV shows. So it gave you a 15-second clip of something from the soundtrack of this particular movie or TV show. And you listen to it, and then it come up with the poster for it. So we sat listening to it. Uh, fair play, we did okay. There were, you know, there's a few we didn't know. Um, but one of them, and one of them we didn't know, even though we've both watched the film, was, was Schindler's List. Uh, and I said then, excuse me, when the poster came up, I said, I o- I've i only ever watched it once. And that was when it came out. It must have been on VHS when it came out. Watched it Watched it once then. I haven't seen it since. Um, and I may as well get another gratuitous plug in now while we record. Um, did an interview show with Caroline Goodall, who's in um, Schindler's oh, yes. List. So yes. if people want to go back and listen to that. That, that you know, that's on our feed as well. Um but yeah, it's it's not a film where you want to go, ah, oh, Saturday night, yeah, let's, let's have a drink and some snacks and put on Schindler's List. It's it's not one of those, is it? You know, it's a good film, but it's, it's pretty pretty heavy watching, mate. But, well, that's <laughs> the thing, see, and this is what I'm, I suppose the point I'm making is that, you know, we've recommended, like, I've recommended Dark Man, <laughs> you know, whereas he's been in Schindler's List, yeah. which, you know, I'm sure is, in, I suppose, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, film yeah yeah films. It's, it's a different level isn't it yeah but, yeah you know it's so um but that's the but thing yeah. going back to the, back to the way that i score letterbox stuff is you know it's do you want to watch it because it's a really good film or is it really sort of enjoyable film enjoyable experience while you're watching it yeah so and talking about caroline goodall i mean so Schindler's this came out in 93 um i think that was the same year as um cliffhanger wasn't it, was. it? Or, yeah. So um, she had a, an interesting year, um, and, and obviously year. Spielberg did Spielberg Spielberg <laughs> did as well. Because uh, obviously, you know, Jurassic Park came out in ninety. Yeah, God, so, yeah, yeah. Big con- year. Contrasting movies, definitely. Uh, but uh, and so then Martin Campbell. Then what would you recommend as a director for if people you weren't going to recommend this? What would oh, you say? Oh, I mean, are we going to go Bond? Because I mean, that's sort of the go-to, I guess. Which one? <sighs> Gonna go Goldeneye. Okay. Yeah. See, I'd go The Mask of Zorro. Um, 
because that is a cracking film. Um, that is a good film. So, Casino yeah. Royale is really good as well. If we're sticking with Bond, I guess, See, Casino yeah. Royale is really good. See, I, I mean, I would imagine that people, a lot of people have seen the Bond films anyway. Mm. So uh, that's kind of, I suppose, where I went with Mask of Zorro because that's a really good adventure film. And I remember enjoying it a lot when I was... Um, when I was younger, when I watched it. So, and as well, he directed um, Edge of Darkness, the TV show. Um, and then he did the, uh, I suppose, movie remake of it uh, with Mel Gibson. Mm. Just a little interesting little tidbit. If, if you do want to go obscure, though, um, if you do want to go obscure, and this is a film, I'm just looking on our website now, I'm pretty sure that... Um, that Tina reviewed it because we both sat and watched it. Yeah, here we go. And yeah, Tina did review it. Um, if we're going back to 1975 and a film called Eskimo Nell. Oh, yes. That was one of the first reviews, I think, that appeared on the yeah, website. Yeah, I'm just looking now. And Tina reviewed it. Um, it's coming up on the website. It's the 25th of February, 2015. God bless the search function on our website. Uh, yeah, we were sent the Blu-ray of this. And um, 88 Films, 40th anniversary release. Um, yeah, it's... I'm, try, I'm just sort of skim-reading... Um, Tina's review as I'm talking, um, and if and if and if I was watching in 1975, I'd think it was a more highbrow sex comedy and satire rather than a straight up shagathon. It doesn't shy away from rudeness. There are so many tits, screwings, and muffs. One, <laughs> <laughs> we do the best reviews. One muff being Mary Millington's. And full on sex, one part reveals a woman sitting with a fanny over a woman's over a man's face while they audition for the film, which shows how we really were more liberated and less prudish forty years ago. Um, she found it quite inoffensive and laughed. I remember us watching it and uh, really enjoying it. And as she says in the review, it's got one of the best commentaries that's um, that is available. Uh, writer and star of Eskimo Nell, Michael Armstrong and writer-slash-historian Simon Sheridan, who has been on the show and will be again in the future because uh, he's got another amazing documentary coming out, uh, is a great documentary on... Um, it's a great, sorry, commentary on the Blu-ray as well. So, yeah, if you want to go a little bit obscure with him, 1975, Eskimo Nell. Mm. I remember that. I would say that, that review appeared on the website in 2015, February 2015. <laughs> Flipping heck. Yes. But, um, yeah, we're nearly eight years old, mate. Nearly eight years old. Uh, right, yeah, I think that says everything about that. I think, I think bottom line is it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, at this point, I would play a trailer. But again, because it's a foreign language film and we're an English language podcast, all the trailers are in forest. Actually, they're not entirely in foreign language. They are mixed because there is English language in the film as well. So we don't have a trailer for this. Um, mm. it's, um, so, yeah, I'll hand it over to you. Space Sweepers, mate. Which Space my Sweepers. Pick. Yeah. It, it, see, I trust you to always pick some kind of the foreign language or I have lately, film. though, haven't I? I've, I, I was looking quite – I think this is – is this the th – third foreign language film on the trot that i've picked yeah because so you did rrr um, which is fucking awesome. 
which, which is amazing. It's awesome. It, I, I'm tempted to rewatch that. <laughs> oh, nice. It's a it's a brilliant, brilliant film. Um, and then it was the Wandering Earth that you did the last yes. one. That was a, sort of another yeah, yeah. Korean film, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Space Sweepers on Netflix, um, clocking in about two hours and sixteen minutes. It's got a six point five out of ten out of twenty five thousand ratings on IMDb. Synopsis is set in the year twenty ninety two and follows the crew of a space junk collector ship called the Victory when they discover a humanoid robot named Dorothy that's known to be a weapon of mass destruction. They get involved in a risky business deal. Um, Cast-wise, the only one that people are probably going to be aware of that I was aware of, so I'm just assuming this, um, unless you're obviously familiar with a lot of Korean cinema and you know multinational cinema um, actors and actresses, is Richard Armitage, mm-hmm. um, who plays a character called Sullivan. Um, so on uh, Metacritic, this has got a 64. No, it's only got four ratings, though for some reason so it's got three positive and one mixed i'm not sure why it's only got though that number of reviews but still yeah. um so i'll go with uh, ign here we go space sweepers is low risk low reward entertainment it's a breezy bit of escapism with some social commentary baked in but it's the spectacle and whiz bang that's on the front burner even as he gleefully reshuffles familiar elements from a variety of sources director joe has created a fascinating science fiction tableau that feels both original and inviting back to roger moore of movie nation um <laughs> shootouts wisecracks narrow escapes and brutal blooded captures a big boom that might be coming and ray-bans that might never come off it's oh so pretty to look at but talk about empty calories mm. so there you go uh so yeah this was your pick so yeah shall i go first yeah I... yeah sure so um first impressions when i watched it were because it's set in space and it's so you've got a a lot of these characters they're on earth and earth is pretty much being decimated and it's uh, on its last legs um loads of environmental disasters and uh richard armitage's character has created this place which is it called eden or it's it's effectively it's it's a bit like that that thing in elysium yeah where you know, you've got everyone on, who lives on Earth. It's it's a really inhospitable environment that people can't live on properly. Mm. And you've got all the poor people that live on Earth. And then you've got this paradise set in, you know, in space that you, you have to be a citizen to get onto it. And if it's so it's it's pretty much only for the rich yeah. and entitled that live on this set, this, this you know, um, artificially created place. And then they... Um, it's ragtag bunch of four uh, people. So you've got, say, the engineer, you've got the pilot, you've got the captain, and then you've got a robot who uh, wants to become kind of human um, or, or wants to have human, you know, look human, even though it's a robot. Um, and they come across this, this little girl who's called Dorothy. They initially come up with a plan to sell her back to uh the these terrorists who have supposedly um taken her uh, who want to use her as a weapon of mass destruction um and you know then the plot evolves and within five minutes of of seeing a certain character you know that they're the bad guy that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) um 
uh, within five seconds even pretty much <laughs> so then as I, I mean as i've already kind of suggested this isn't an original story you know not yeah. by any stretch of the imagination if you've watched a number of different science fiction films such as the fifth element guardians of the galaxy serenity um elysium you know it, it follows those films in terms of its plot and you know so it, as, as i mentioned that this crew they've got little backstories that you find out about and you, you and well we'll find out in a minute whether you bought into them uh, added to the actual overall tone of the story and got you engaged in it but at the beginning they want to get rid of her they want to make money off her but then obviously you know again it's it's cliche but they start to develop a relationship with her and then it's all about what they can do to save her. And so first impressions were, I thought it looked incredible. A lot of the special effects, you know, the space stuff, it looked amazing, Mm. particularly the robot character. Yeah. I thought spot on. Um, I think, what was it? The, um, I've only seen it once, but the robot character, there's a robot character in Rogue One which I think had similar, mm. you know, kind of, you, you believe that they're actually a real yeah. character, you know, as opposed to sort of CGI creation. Um, really good. It's funny in places. Um, it's, like I said, it's not particularly original, but I did find that I got really swept up in it and I got, um, I liked the multinational kind of um characters uh, uh you know uh, and some i just thought it was great I, I actually really enjoyed it i was really surprised how much i enjoyed it it was mm. it was a lot of fun um in it you know i say yes it did make me want to watch serenity because i haven't watched that for a, a while and i did love i do love serenity um so but it it was just a lot of fun looked great had some good action sequences in it it was funny um, I did find that I got engaged with um, particularly, well, quite a few of the characters. I thought it was well made, well acted, um, you know, and, and yeah, it was, it was very good. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was a bit daft in places, but <laughs> yeah, I, I gave it four out of five. I thought it was yeah, it was yeah. really, really enjoyable. Uh, I was wavering whether or not to give it three and a half, but I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give it four because hmm. it, it is a relatively long film. Uh, like i said two hours 16 minutes but i didn't feel bored it did feel a bit like a video game in some places i'll be honest with you but um but overall really really enjoyed it uh with the i totally agree with the films that you said you know that it's sort of an amalgam of of the films that you said with guardians of the galaxy serenity etc i would also throw in their 1996's space truckers as well, which Not it reminded me that, of, but yeah, 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 it 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 sort of throw in a you know a good dollop of that as well, and something that we've talked about in the podcast numerous times in the past is you know when you become a parent and you're watching films and there's anything to do with you know children and, and you've got children, whereas before before you had kids and you watch stuff to do with children and you know you'd be emotionally invested and so on. But once you've got kids and this stuff going on, you know, I've said before, um, the first film, the first film to make me cry was Armageddon. And that's mm. because, you know, the end scene where Bruce Willis is saying goodbye to his daughter. And my daughter had just been born 
and I really related to that moment. And then I thought, oh, fuck me. What if I have to say goodbye like that to Megan? It's like, fuck, ah, I'm sort of crying watching it and that. Because, because you've got um, the young girl in this and you've got two young daughters as well. Do you think that, again, it's sort of that thing of being the parent and, you know, it's, it's a young daughter and you've got two of them. Do you think that helped as well to draw you into the narrative of it and you could put yourself in their position and and sort of add to the peril and stuff that was going on in the movie that happens and you're thinking, fuck, save her, save her. Mm. That you related more to that? Was was Did that play yeah. a part? Uh, that and also I think because there's a bit of a subplot about one of the main characters who had a, a child and um, through an accident was lost and, mm. and he, you know, he's been trying to find her for a number of years. And so when, when that all played out, I was like, that did, I did choke up a little bit, I must mm. admit, watching that. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that there is that, that aspect of it. If you do have children, then you will relate a little bit more to the, seeing how their relationship develops with yeah. her over the period of the film. Mm. Um, but, yeah. It was... You you marked it a four. You know, we we always talk about Letterboxd. I gave it a three. But since watching it, it's been one of those films that stuck in my head... And I want to I want to revisit it, and I'm sure that when I do give it a rewatch, I'm I'm gonna score it higher because it's because it's stuck in my head, and I keep thinking, oh, that was really good, that was really good. I think the reason that I gave it a three at the time was I think a little bit to do with it was the the running time of it. I thought it was a little bit a little bit too long. It needed tightening up a little bit, and I think tonally it threw me a little bit because it did go from, you know, there was some funny bits in it, then there was some action in it, and then there was some emotional, you know, really good emotional beats in it. And I don't think I was quite prepared for the way that it sort of navigated all those different sort of emotional mm. tones all the way through. And that's, I think that's why I gave it a three, but I'm pretty sure that uh, upon the rewatch, I'll, I'll give it more than that. Like you said, the effects in it were, I love the effects in it. Um, it was, it was quite Blade Runner-ish at times. Yeah. I, I thought that too. It's like, I think at the start, there's a, a yeah. sequence in it, which, and some of the music as well in it, the, the score. Oh, the, the score needs mentioning. Yeah. That was, it was really good score in it too, which again, which, which drew you into everything that was happening. There was characters in it that were, you know, relatable, you know, he, even the robot, you know, some of the lines that the robot was coming out with were, you know, it, there were some good dashes of humour in it, which it needed at times as well. Um, and it, it did take you on, you know, it's a cliche, but, you know, an emotional roller coaster as you were watching it. And you, and you did, you did care for, you know, what happened to people. You cared for what happened to the robot in it, didn't you, really? Yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, how often does that happen? It's a robot and, and you actually care. And, and, you know, there's scenes in it, you go, no, please, no. Or, you, or you, you, you know, you're shouting encouragement and going, yes, come on. So I think that says a hell of a lot for it. I mean, I think this is what this is South Korean film again, isn't it? And they've they've been releasing some really fucking good films for quite yeah. a long time now. Yeah, it, 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 like, I get what you say. I do. I do get what you're saying about the the tone of it because it's quite, we'll say, violent. You know, there's hmm. there's there's some violence in it, so it's not really a kids' film because there's loads of swearing in it as well. There is, there? yeah, yeah. So it's. Um, you know, it, 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 I suppose it's a, a bit of an adult science fiction. You know, mm. if, I suppose if you took the swearing out of it, then maybe you could aim it at a younger audience. But um, but then, you know, one minute 
that there's something quite harrowing happening and then there's a bit of a fart joke um <laughs> so it, it is i suppose like yeah i do agree with you like tonally it is a bit all over the place but yeah. um i did get emotionally invested in it i, mm. def- I definitely you know uh found that i was engaged with the characters uh and all their backstories and yeah and you know that was good i i did like it i did like it and there's some good surprises in it as well it's not one of those films that you know yes 10 yeah. minutes in and you, you go, oh, okay, I know how it's going to end. I know everything that's going to happen. And I've got to sit through another two hours and I know how it's going to happen. Quite, you know, numerous times all the way through it, you're going, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that, which is always nice to watch. Yeah, I didn't get the, I didn't see what happens towards the end coming, mm. I must admit. And maybe that was because I was just swept up in it and all, but now yeah. I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It was good. Yeah, it was good. I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. Like I said, that's... Uh, three foreign language films on the trot that I've picked. And yeah, that, I don't think we're going to beat RRR, as we call Arr. it. <laughs> uh, I mean, come on, what can beat that? But this, this oh. would, this would still definitely worth watching. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And like I said, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, my first rewatch, I will score it, you know, higher than the three that I, I gave it on the first watch on that box. Mm. Cool. We did all right, didn't we, for the double dip pick? I, for a change, didn't I mean, we, we did, you know, memory was all right. We both really enjoyed Space Sweepers, so. Yeah. Oh, and just before we go, um, so we had Frederick, who did send us Ooh. a bit of a message. Yeah, go on, read that out, man. Um, about memory. He says, memory was quite decent. I didn't. I don't expect much from all the action movies Neeson is doing nowadays, but this one felt a bit more quality. Great director in Martin Campbell. So, yeah. Fair comment. Thank you, Frederick. Um, Yeah, and we do. We always enjoy feedback and comments that we can um, respond to on the show, don't we? Definitely. Right, shall we give details of how people can do that? Yes. They do. You're you're good at it, so go for it. Okay. They just need to go to 60mw.co.uk. Numerical 60, not alphabetical. That is the hub of everything that we do. All the podcasts are on there. Uh, links to social media. The main one is always Twitter at 60MW Podcast. Uh, we've currently, I think it's 24 hours to go. It would have finished by the time this is released. Um, but there's a poll that you can join in to do with the Deck of the Decadent show. There's giveaways. It, it, it's the main way that I keep everybody updated about everything that's um, happening. So if you're going to follow us on one social media, make it Twitter. There's the World Tour. You can leave us a review which we haven't had a review for a while, mate. There's a listener feedback section on on the website. And there's so many ways that people can leave reviews. You know, you might be, you know, you might subscribe to us via Podcast Addict and leave us a review on there. You might do it on Instagram. Instagram. Well, you might do it on Instagram. You might do it on iTunes. Um, But if you do leave us a review anywhere online, it would be fantastic if you could message me um, even a link to it and I can put it on the listener feedback page on the website. There's a world tour just go to 60mw.co.uk and that's um, that's the help of everything, really. Um, best way for people to follow you, mate, I guess, is Twitter. Yeah, I'm at Dastardly Jabby, if people want to follow me um, or interact. I'm on I'm on Twitter a little bit these days, but um, it's not the same as it used to be, is it? So It's not, is it? <laughs> and like we say, you know, in this show especially, we constantly refer to Letterboxd. If you go to the Meet the Team um, section of the website you can you can see our letterbox names and follow us on there yeah. and then you'll or, know or uh, psn uh, we got because the trophy yeah. achievers trophy, so yeah. P- 
PSN stuff on there as well. Yeah. Right? So if you're a gamer, uh, PlayStation, Xbox, our names are on there as well. You can follow us and uh, just generally stalk us, really, online. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do that, just be nice. That'd be okay. Uh, yeah, so the next time we record, mate, will be the September-October show, which we will be recording at the beginning Holy shit, at the beginning of November. Jesus. Wow. Ooh, nights will be drawing in then. I know. It's mad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Will you still be in your PJs or will you, you know, will you have a bit of a blanket over you by then? Oh, gosh. Well, the way things are, I'll probably be wrapped up. No um, lights on. We can't afford no the lights. No, it, <laughs> it will be two tin cans and a piece of long string. No electric whatsoever because we can't afford it. That'll be it. Yeah. So, no, I shall have blankets and all sorts over me probably by then. <laughs> At the moment, I still have got, I've got the windows open a little bit. Mm. Yeah, it is still warm here, it's isn't mild, it? It's mild, isn't it? Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. I am I am here in shorts and T-shirts. So, yeah. Next time, probably not. No. <laughs> right. As always, mate, awesome recording with you. Um, hopefully, everybody listening, you got some good recommendations. If... You've got recommendations for me and Chris. Send us an email, contact at 60mw.co.uk, um, and we'll read it out on the show and let everybody else know. And if you just get any questions, what we've talked about, any comments you want to make, just send us an email or a tweet, and we'll respond on the next show, which is always awesome. So uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Me and Chris will be back in two months. Before then... Me and him and other members of the show will be online in various format shows that we do. Again, go to the website. We do lots of different shows and uh, we will be there to crush your ears. And if you subscribe to us, thank you very much indeed. Tell your friends, share the show online, and we will be back again very soon with another format show, whatever that may be, very soon after this one. So from me, goodbye. I finished my wine. Didn't quite go full on Oliver Reed, but, you know... I may pour one more before the night's through. <laughs> Ooh. So I've just finished my JD and it, I can feel it going down. You know, Ooh, when you get that, that nice warm, sort of like warm oh. feeling in your chest. Yeah. So for, I should have mentioned this. I had my blood pressure done today. So we're doing free blood pressure tests and my, I'm sort of wavering between high blood pressure and normal. So, so you're sort of in the say, middle. <laughs> they, they said, don't drink, you know, cut down on your alcohol. Yeah. And then, you know, so you're a bad influence, Dave. That's all I'm going to say. I made you drink that, mate. I'm easily led. That's, that's it. <laughs> I've made your blood pressure go higher. So there you go. <laughs> right. right. Till next time. Thanks for listening. Cheerio. Bye bye. That was a wrong button. That was. Wrong button. <laughs> I forgot because because I'll leave this in because I've got uh... because I've got this new setup. I've got so many sound pads. I've got to choose. You've got from. too many buttons to press. I have. I've got so many buttons. I really should have pressed. Not the. Not, I'm not going to say the word because I'll have to press the button again. I should have pressed this button. Ah, awesome. <laughs>